We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a full house here at irishbreakdown.com. I'm Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. That guy right there is Ryan Roberts. He's the director of recruiting at Irish Breakdown. And that guy right there is the publisher at Irish Breakdown. That's Brian Driscoll. We put and Vince in the basement today, baby. I know, right? I, I kind of <laughs> like it. It's, I'm the foundation. I'm just holding okay. you guys up. Oh, I see yeah, what you did there. Point. Well solid. done. Well solid. done. Good comeback, Vince. You're getting Thank so you. much better at this. I love I'm it. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's the only way I stay afloat in my own house. <laughs> uh, so today we've got a great topic for you guys. We're going to talk some recruiting, specifically the defensive side of the ball in the 23 class. Brian. We've got a bunch of defensive commit already. I mean, are yeah. they running out of room at this point in this class? Well, the good news for Notre Dame is, yes, they're off to a great start. You've got seven defensive players already committed in this class. All seven of them are ranked as in, as rivals top 250 players. The in, insane thing is, Vince, I just have to throw this out there. There are nine guys committed in this class. All nine are now ranked in the rivals top 250. For context purposes, five of them are top 100 players. All of them on defense, by the way. The next closest team with the, with guys in the top 250 period is Georgia with six. After that, it's one team with four and then a bunch of teams with three of wow. top 250 players. Notre Dame has five top 100 players in the class. Right? Three in the top 40. So uh, it's uh, it's an impressive group. The good news for Notre Dame when you look at the defensive class, though, though Vince, and, and Ryan and I will discuss this during the show, is and we've mentioned this recently, Notre Dame expects this to be a big class. So they look at it as the 2023 class, in my opinion. And I don't, I don't know, Ryan, if, if you have an opinion on this yet, since, since it's, you kind of hit the ground running, had to focus so much on this class. Mm-hmm. This is a really good class comparatively to classes around it at a lot of positions and at a lot of the positions that Notre Dame needs to have success in. So this is to me a, a great quarterback class. It's an excellent receiver class. I mean, an incredibly deep receiver class. You know, there's like eight, nine guys on the board that are like, yeah, that's a top 100 guy. Yeah, that's a top 100 guy. Yeah, that's a top 100 guy. 
you know, corner. I think this is a really good safety class, and it's a year that Notre Dame needs safeties. And there have been some not good safety classes in recent years nationally. So I think and, – and then, you know, a year where it's not a great year, is it like linebacker? It's not a great year at linebacker like it was last year. Well, that's okay because Notre Dame doesn't really have a, a numbers right. need at linebacker. Right. So, I, you know, I think those are some of the things where, like, offensive line, I don't think this is a great offensive line class but it's strong in areas that Notre Dame tends to do well. There's a lot of Midwestern kids. There's some Northeastern kids, things along those lines. So I think for Notre Dame, there's still plenty of room. that put it like They're not full anywhere at this point in time. Now, at linebacker, and we'll get into this, you could say if they don't get anyone else, are they okay? Yeah, they're fine. But even there, they're going to do it. But I think the nice thing about this is, Ryan, is mm-hmm. Notre Dame's strong start from a numbers and talent standpoint has allowed them to really narrow their board and start to zero in on some dudes. And I think that strong start makes it even more likely that you're going to get a, just as strong of a finish. And I think that to me, Ryan is the thing that, that is puts Notre Dame in a really unique position right now. Yeah. And I think that obviously we're, we're focusing on defensive recruiting, but that goes to both sides of the ball so far in 2023. I feel like they have at most positions already, especially on defense, a baseline to the class, right? Like if you ended the class with Keon Keeley and Brandon Vernon, for instance, at defensive line, you would feel fantastic. But the fact that now you can take some shots at some heavy hitters and mm-hmm. at linebacker now, you, have, you like literally – you have a Preston Zinter who mentioned top 250 kid that just committed. You had Drake Bowen, in-state player for Notre Dame that was already committed. Now that you have the opportunity to take the best of what you want and not have to fish for a need, I think that that speaks volumes to what the start that they've gotten on to. And right. it's going to be exciting to see. And I, I feel lucky, to be honest, <laughs> to, to start in yeah. this cycle because it is – I mean, it could be a historic one for Notre Dame in recent years. Say the least. And Ryan, I'm going to take from like where your heart and passion still is, which is the draft. I feel like Notre Dame is now in a situation where they're like that NFL team that kind of has their, their, they were really good. They're picking like 30th, 29th, and everybody's coming back. So the draft is just kind of like, well, let's just take the best guy there. You know I mean? And I think that's the situation that Notre Dame finds themselves at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. Th- things start becoming a little bit of a luxury at this point, right? Because you got the players already that you're super excited about, and now you can take the the swing at some of the big hitters, like you're saying, Brian. So I, I agree completely. It's um, it's shaping up to be a great class, and it's exciting both from I mean, especially on the defensive side of the ball when we're talking about hey, defensive line wise, you've already gotten two top fifty caliber football players. One that's a bona fide five star recruit in Keon Keeley. Linebacker, like I mentioned, you got guys like Zinter, you got Drake Bowen, who's a borderline five star top forty player in the class. You got Justin Rett, who by some is a top fifty, top sixty player on recruiting platforms, but also could have a higher ceiling than that when you're talking about a height, weight, speed type of combination. You have a guy like Peyton Bowen, who I think is a potential top five player if he takes a next step next season. So you have dudes everywhere. You've hit on several needs, and now you can continue to add what is outstanding quality of, of talent in this class, not just quality of depth, quality of talent at the top. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. The new year is a great time to focus on what's most important to you. Whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness, 
HelloFresh is here to help with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen so you can spend it on other resolutions with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, quick and easy meals, including 20-minute recipes and low-prep, easy cleanup options provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. HelloFresh is the perfect solution for a family like mine. With five kids and virtually no free time in the calendar, HelloFresh brings us fresh ingredients, easy recipes, all in one convenient package. It even allows for the long sought after family time that we love. HelloFresh is something that the whole family loves to prepare and enjoys eating. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash Irish16 and use code Irish16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash Irish16 and use code Irish16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Remember, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, fellas. So let's jump right in. We'll go position by position where you think the needs are, where they need to go from here. Are they good at that position? Like for linebacker, for example, you know, where are they with their needs? So let's start at the front defensive line, Brian, where are they with defensive line? Obviously they have really good ends. Where do they go from here? Do they need to add on? Well, you know, the one thing for sure is they're good at Viper right now. You got Aiden Byron last year's class. You have Keon Keeley in this year's class. I think the presence of Brennan Vernon and Tyson Ford in back-to-back classes really gives Notre Dame some unique things to consider because I think both of them right now are big ends, but both of them have kind of those thick Midwestern frames that say they may not always be big ends, right? Or they may be big, big ends, right? I mean, they may be like, you know, in recent years, Notre Dame's big ends of, I think Adi Ryan was what, like 255 coming out of Notre Dame. Myron was like 260, 265. I mean, Tyson Ford's got like yeah. a 275 to 285 pound body. Brandon Vernon's got a 275 to 285 pound body. And so you're going to have some more size there. But the point is there's some interchangeableness. So I think Notre Dame is still in a situation where they don't have to just take a guy that's a pure interior guy. And I think that's where you kind of uh, slide into, you know, like a, a Jason Moore type of situation. But I think Notre Dame is in a situation where they need big guys. Now, whether that's another big end that can kind of, you know, play some three technique or and they and, and that type of thing, I think that's a that's where they should shoot. 
But I also think they need to make sure they recruit a guy that can bring some size to the nose guard position. And again, Notre Dame is not looking for a 6'2", 330-pound nose guard. That's not what this defense is looking for. But that doesn't mean that you need a bunch of Donovan and Kurt Heinishes either. I mean, you, there's a middle ground to that. And, and Ryan, to me, this is when we talk about this D-line class. You know, I, I, see, I see a legitimate dream class situation. And we, you know, we talked about dream class and ideal situation. I think defensive line, this is one where Notre Dame has a legitimate shot to get sort of that dream class, which to me is Keon Keeley, Brennan Vernon, Jason Moore, and Devin Houston. What say you? Yeah, now, you know, I've been on the Jason Moore bandwagon for a little mm-hmm. bit since I first watched him for the Matha Catholic down there in Maryland. He is, for me, when you're a Notre Dame defense that wants to play so much between even an odd man fronts, you need length at the uh, on the defensive line. And I think that's what a guy like a Jason Moore brings to the game at six foot six. I've seen him listed at 255. I've heard he's closer to 270 range already. And I mm-hmm. think that he could steadily hold 290 plus, mm-hmm. and he could be somebody that's in that Stefan Tuitt type of role. Yeah. And Stefan was gifted enough of an athlete where he could play out to like a five, six head up on a tight end. Like he could do those types of things, right? But like also moving inside the three, then he becomes a absolute difference maker with that length and that athleticism working inside. And I see that with a Jason Moore. I think that he can play strong side defensive end early, but mm-hmm. eventually I think that he's going to just kind of continue to grow into that frame where he's going to be a dynamic three tech yeah. four four I type player, like that's what I see with a guy like a Jason Moore. So Ryan, when you talk about them, so to me, I think the value is the fact that Jason Moore and Brendan Vernon aren't necessarily competing against each other. I think that's right. the key, and I think that's yeah. what you're, is that's what you're getting at too. Whether or not Jason, because like there's a chance Jason Moore just doesn't get any bigger. He may just like refine some stuff, Muscle. just get any bigger. And, yep. and and he's more of a big end. But then at the same time, there's just as much of a chance that Brennan Vernon keeps going and going and going and going because he's a big, thick Midwestern Ohio kid, and he ends up becoming a three technique. The point is, between the two of them, they're not guys that you put at the end and say, you know, it's Khalid and Adi in 2019, right, where yeah. they really play the same position. That This is a situation where not just on nickel but in base downs, between those two body types, one of them is going to get bigger. One of them is going to get to 290 plus. Like, I don't, I'm not yeah. ready to, to bet my mortgage on which one that's going to be, or maybe both of them. But mm-hmm. I think that one of them will, which again, and, and also too, their unique skill sets. Like, they're both big, strong handed, you know, kids that can block, destruct. They can play together. And I yeah. think that is an important thing because if you just load up on talented DNs that do the exact same things, yeah, you're going to have a great rotation, but you can't play them together. And I think that's the thing I like about Jason Moore is there's even in a three down, if one of those two kids grows like we think they're going to grow, there's three down situations where those three kids, Keon, Jason, and 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 Brennan are on the field together. That to me is just as important as like it's cool for us to talk about recruiting rankings and you know for rivals, Keon's 14, Brennan's 17, Jason Moore's like 40 something. You know, like that's that's fun to talk about, but those are three guys for two positions. That doesn't mean as much. If that's three guys for three positions, that has an even bigger impact. And I think that's also, Ryan, why Devin Houston is the guy that I love as that fourth guy in this class, you know, that I would target in my dream class because he, to me, is – I think what Notre Dame is doing is they're mm-hmm. looking for – I think they're almost like they're taking a page out of the old Lou, Lou Holtz playbook. 
in that, you know, recruit big ends and turn them into D tackles, recruit D tackles and turn them into nose guard, recruit big linebackers and turn them into ends. That's kind of what they're doing in some ways. And Devin Houston to me is, is a guy that is sort of like a three tech that you're going to grow into a nose because of the way that Notre Dame uses their nose, which is more of a penetrating disruptive playmaking position. You don't need Mm -hmm. a Lewis Nicks, a, 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 you don't need a 6'2", 330-pound guy. You need a guy that can make plays. And that's, to me, Ryan, why Devin Houston is just that ideal fourth guy in this class for me. I don't know what you think about that. I, I think you and I agree on this. Yeah. No, I, I think when I put out, like, the ideal class, you know, early on, you know, probably a few weeks ago now, I, I put Devin Houston in that class. And, I mean, t- to speak to the Brennan, verse, Brennan Vernon, Jason Moore layer, right? Like, I do think that they are both have interchangeable skill sets that could work for multiple alignments. But I think Devin Houston also, you could sell me on him being the three-tech in the defense. But eventually, I think that nose tackle is the best spot because I think when you talk about how he wins best on film, I see outstanding pad level. I see outstanding play strength. I see the ability to gain lockout at the point of attack. And I see, in my opinion, to be a one-gap shooter. I think that he has uh, incredible potential there because I think linearly he's a very explosive kid. Now, I don't know if he's the you know most flexible of all time, which is why I think, you know, just from a body typing perspective, he's going to grow out of the edge role very quickly, right? Like he's not going to be the same guy that we're seeing at St. James School. He's, I mean, if he if you told me that he was 280 right now, I believe you because I think that he's a really strong trunk type of kid. And I think that he could play, play well over 300 pounds at six foot four and some change. And I think that he's a guy that is going to be a tough de- task, one-to-one situations. You're going to have to put two on them. And when you have two at, with that type of linear ability, eventually in an ideal world, you're talking about Jason Moore, Brandon Vernon, Keon Keeley getting some one-on-ones. There's going to be one-on-ones somewhere. And when you're talking about this type of dream class with this much talent, it's exciting to think about how this how this defensive line could really match up together and could play together. I think that's the most exciting part is that I think it all fits together really well. And that's the need. I think four is the yeah. need. I think they could take a fifth mm-hmm. guy and Kate just in. But it has to be the right along. fit, don't you think? Like it, it has, has to be the right be, fit, yes. and I think it also yeah. has to come down to what happens with the current roster. Mm-hmm. You because know, again, yeah. you, what we got to remember is they're not a pure four-down defense anymore. Meaning, you're not going to have like three deep at four positions necessarily. It right. is not necessarily the number need anymore, and and so I think that factors into it as well. You got three last year. You know, you got what three the year before that are still left on the roster: Onye, Gabriel, Rubio, and then Will Schweitzer. I think this is a year where four is the need. You could take a fifth if it's the right guy, mm-hmm. but I think four is the ideal is the ideal target for this particular class. Because again, you want to try to avoid getting into those years where you overload on numbers because you end up losing one of those guys. Right, and that's that's sure. kind of what I like. I think you take that four with last year's three. At a, on a defense that's going to switch between three and four down, that's a healthy spot, in my opinion. A real healthy sure. spot. Now, the next position group, we're going front to back. The next position group is the one I'm really interested to hear what your opinion is about linebacker. Because obviously, mm-hmm. they got numbers last year. And those were quality numbers. I mean, those are four guys that are all very, 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 very good. Uh they're sitting at two right now, right? I believe. And so, what do they need to add? Do they are they good where they're at? What say you, Brian Driscoll? I think they're they're fine if they end it where they are. Okay. And and again, it's it's kind of like we said about the defensive line is at times they're going to have three linebackers in the field. At times they're going to have two linebackers on the field. Right. At times they may have four. I mean, 
So it, it's going to be a little bit of a unique defense. I, I think two is is they're fine, but they're not stopping at two, right? So there's a difference. Like if and what that does is that allows them to really focus on sort of the top guys on the board. Like there's some good players that they've pretty much dropped. They they're not re- really recruiting Phil Pachot anymore. When when you're comfortable enough with where you are that you stop recruiting a kid like that, you're 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 doing pretty good linebacker, you know. So you got four guys last year. You also have to remember too that the plan is that Kahano Kia plans to come back to Notre Dame after his two year mission from his mission. Yeah, correct. So you, you kind of got to look at him as like a down the you know down. He, he's going to have an impact on numbers for the 2023 class, assuming that the, the staff is high on him. And considering that they played him and he was sort of in the two deep almost at one point in time last year when with some injuries, you know, that's obviously a situation where, okay, they're, they're, they're in a good place numbers wise. Cause they love, I mean, I've, I've talked to a couple sources on this and, you know, like, Hey, how do you feel about all four of the kids? And they're like, man, they, all these kids are everything. They all got better seniors. They, you know, we love, you know, and, these are people that have in the past kind of told me like, yeah, you know, this kid's a good player, but we're not sure he's an impact guy. And they love all those guys. And I think with Prince Collie in 2021, you you look at two and you're, you're talking about seven guys in three years. I don't think that's ideal, which is like, it, it's not like a perfect world scenario, but the reality is you're too deep at all three of your linebacker spots and you're three deep at one. And, and I think when you also look at it, there's, there's the, the, the thought that, some of the guys in the current rosters, like Maris Lufau, has multiple years of eligibility left because right, of COVID, right? right? And, and so I think you look at that situation, too. I think they're, they're comfortable with their numbers based on the fact that this is not a great linebacker class nationally. So what they're focusing on right now, Ryan, is there's some, there's some dudes on the board that they're still on. I mean, when you talk about Jaden Osbury, Samuel Pemba, guys like that, there's some guys on the board that they're going to say, hey, look, Tamir Robinson, they like, you know, there's Darren Gillette that they like those guys. If they can find the guy that they see as being either a really top player now or a guy with a really high ceiling, they're going to still recruit those guys. But the board just got a lot smaller, which I think, in my opinion, increases the odds that you get one of those guys at this point in time. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely to that sentiment. And I, I think that it's really interesting. You met, you mentioned Gillette and you mentioned Osbury and, and Pemba. Uh, Tamir Robinson, they're all guys that and with, with the addition of Preston Zinter, you're not taking a guy that projects potentially as a Mike only, right? Like you need a mm-hmm. guy that can fit into kind of that will Rover mold, right? right? Like that's kind would, of the guy you need. I would argue they're looking for Rover to will. Rover to will. Like I know you yeah. weren't specifically saying that. I'm just adding to sure. the point of Rover first, will second is sure. kind of what they're targeting. And when you look at the guys yeah. on the board that we just mentioned, Ryan, that 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 fits to what you're saying. Absolutely, yeah. And and uh, Tamir, Galette, uh, they're both f- high four-star kids. <laughs> Jay Osbury is a top 50 potential kid. Samuel and Pemba, I think, is ranked as high as top 10 by some people, depending mm-hmm. on what recruiting site you look at. So a lot of different body types, which I think is really interesting too, Brian. Like, it's going to be a really fun debate because you see guys like and Pemba that's listed at like 6'4", 230, right, who has – some freaky flexibility, man, for his size. Like he could move a little bit. I, you don't see rovers at that size too often, but mm-hmm. like you could sell me on it, but definitely it will long term. Like there's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. Tamir Robinson is another 6'4, 210 pound guy that's a really nice athlete, explosive. But then you get a Jay Nosberry who's around 
six foot, 205, somewhere in that ballpark, but he's an explosive hitter. I think you compared him to Jonathan Vilma, I believe, on a yeah. podcast, at least stylistically. Like, I think that so was that on a podcast or me and you talking? I, 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 think, that, I think that might those, have been a those podcast. Kind of bleed together. <laughs> they, do, they do bleed together, but I think it's just. Back. It's really fun to think about, you know, that that how, how these guys are kind of being injected to similar roles, but their body types mm-hmm. are so different. Just to kind of put yeah. in the perspective how versatile I think the system can be, uh, which I think is a lot of fun. And, I mean, if they were to hit on a guy like Impembo or Jaden Osbury, oh, it's exciting to say the least. And, and right. the other two too. I mean, no, I mean Galette and, and Tamir Robinson. Like those guys would right. be takes for me. Either one of them. And, and Tamir, Tamir would have been even a, an earlier take had it not been for his October knee injury. Sure. That was the other yeah. thing is they need to see how he can't because he was a guy they really liked early on, like because mm-hmm. he was a converted safety. I mean, he was a safety as a sophomore in high school, right? He's he can move. he's exactly yeah. what they look for in a rover, like the big, long rangey safety athlete that kind of grows into sort of a second level player. Yeah, you know, I think that's yeah. what they look for, and so I think the knee was the only question with him. And mm-hmm. Allsbury is interesting too because you know. This staff has made it very clear. They they don't hide from anybody the fact that we want long athletes. Like you yes. just look at up and down the board. I mean, just long dudes, right? Minimum 6'2. And if you're not going to be 6'2 like Jalen Sneed, you need to have go-go gadget arms like Jalen Sneed. And <laughs> right. that's clearly what they're looking for. But the but all but but what I love, however, so so like Clark Lee was that way. Clark Lee liked really long guys. The problem with Clark Lee is. He would, he would, to me, take risks on guys just because they were long, like a Caleb mm-hmm. Offord. And then he would pass on guys that are good football players because they weren't long. And the thing that – and I think that's for college where you can really get into some trouble is when you're, you're not willing to overlook, hey, this guy doesn't have the measurables as far as length and height and those type of things. But, you know, he's a really good football player. And and to me that that was a mistake that the previous staff made that this staff is not going to make and that and we're seeing that with several players and and Jaden Osbury's one because it's Q Kib showing his his youth go go <laughs> I'm telling you me. man come on man <laughs> Q Kibbs, you just broke my heart man like I want to go and just be like you know I know it was you you broke my heart uh, <laughs> go look up Inspector Gadget on YouTube okay. <laughs> and you'll you'll know what we're talking it's about. A classic right? man. Classic. See, Ryan's in his twenties, and he even knows who Inspector Gadget. Thirty, is, you know? thirty. But oh, you're I'll thirty take now. It. Okay, yeah. Okay. He's an old man. So young. He seems so youthful. <laughs> no, he is youthful. Thirty is youthful. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Bench. You're still in your thirties too. I don't want to hear it. All right. No, I'm not. But, uh, <laughs> I'm for, you're I'm not. For, I'm forty-one. <laughs> you're forty-one. Get out of here. I- Believe me, I didn't want it to be true, but it is. All right. See, you guys just look so young. See, that's how old I am. Like, you guys look so young to me. Yeah. Uh, Back to the conversation before Q Kibbs got us all messed up. (laughs) I love the fact that with Jaden Osbury, they're saying, look, he's not tall like we like. He's not long like we like. I should have said that reversed. He's not long like we like. He's not tall like we like. He doesn't have a frame where he's going to be 240 pounds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what? This kid can play, and this kid can run. And they've made him a priority. Now, the odds of them getting Jaden Osbury are really slim at this point in time. I mean, but the point is, because you have Zinter and Drake Bowen, two guys you like a lot, and with Zinter, a guy that you like so much that you passed on some other guys, you're now in a position where you can take, and the fact that numbers-wise, you got, and this is why the four last year is so important. Because now mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about depth pieces. You've met your needs for numbers. 
you can now say, hey, look, we're going to swing for the fences. You know, even a kid like an Anthony Hill, right? Like he's just came out with the top six and Notre Dame's not in it. There's no reason that you technically have to stop recruiting him because if you don't get him, so what? You're fine. Now, I'm not saying that they should necessarily do that because I think there's a time when you're kind of wasting your resources on a guy that you just know you're not going to get. But Jaden Osbury is an even better example because, Ryan, if you and I are picking right now, we're not going to – if we were to say, hey, who are the top three options that you think for Jaden Osbury? I don't think either one of us would put Notre Dame in that top three right now. No. But he, call, he, he listens, he talks mm-hmm. to them, and he's yet another in a long line of players that completely blows this notion of, you know, you can't find really good students that are great ball players. This is another example of that because this is a kid that's a borderline 4.0 student in mm-hmm. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. But that last part's why it's going to be hard, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That, to me, is sure. what's going to make it hard for him to get out of the South and up to Notre Dame. But they're trying, and they don't have to worry about if we miss, gee, we got to go on to somebody else. If they miss, you miss, right? Mm-hmm. But I think between Osbury – and Pemba and, and Galette, I think those are the three that they look at. Now, Galette's the complete opposite of those guys because he doesn't fit the recruiting ranking profile that people covet. But you go look at his offer list and you go look at his film. Impressive. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a three-star recruit, folks. I'm just telling you that right now, Ryan. You, you, you He's a six-foot, two, 225-pound kid that they, they think might be able to play rover. You know, I was going to say, he can, he can run, man. He yes. can run. Absolutely. Yes. And, and all of them can run. And I know Osbury comes in a different body type, but, I mean, these kids are some freaky athletes. I mean, in Pemba specifically, like, he could be a guy that might be a might be a viper down the line, right? Like, it's very possible. I mean, these kids are – these kids today – He could play not, anywhere he wants. He could play Mike, Will, Rover, right. Viper, tight end. I mean, somebody mentioned on the message <laughs> board, like, hey – if you don't get a second tight end in this class and something happens, could you just move him pen over? And like, yeah, it's exactly. It's one of the reasons you recruit that kid. Cause where, where are you going to play him on the field? <laughs> where? Somewhere. On, 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 you know, that, like 52 and a half and hundred, you know, that thing. Yeah. With the white lines. Yeah. We're going to put him on there. You know uh, that, that, I mean, that's to your point, right? He, there's five spots. He could legitimately be a starter on both right. sides of the ball. The number of guys that we can say that about is probably on, one hand, two at the most, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a rare and, deal. And I know we're talking about Osbury, who doesn't fit into this category, but we keep talking about length, right? Like, why does length matter? Because length can translate to other positions. If I have right. a lack of length, usually I'm kind of penciled into a couple spots, right? Like, this is kind of like where my bread and butter is. It's, I can't mm-hmm. really go outside of this too much. But when you have length, like an Impemba does, he might develop into a will. He might grow into a Mike. Mm-hmm. He might grow into a Viper. Who knows? That's why that mm-hmm. length matters because these guys can develop into something different potentially. That's where that growth potential right. works. I want to respond to a comment here uh, from Brandon Plensner, and he says, hey, if Osbury's brother left the state of Louisiana, so can Jaden. We're not saying he won't leave the state of Louisiana. We're saying, like, when you're that deep in the south, I mean, and look, the only thing about the only thing south of Baton Rouge is the Gulf of Mexico, <laughs> right? I mean, so there, there's not a whole lot more south than that it's hard to get them out of the South. It's not so much getting them out of LSU. I mean, LSU proved this year that they're, and they've proved for several years now. I'm not, this isn't a shot of Brian Kelly, but part of the struggle that coach O was having late was he was having trouble keeping Louisiana kids in Louisiana. And, and it's more about keeping them in the South. Cause you say his brother, uh, Austin left the South and he did, but he went to Auburn. Like, that's not exactly like leaving the nest, right? Like he still is like, what, that's like a state over. It's like, Things like Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama, like kind of like right there, uh, that's a drive, not a not a flight across, you know, 
four or five different states. So it's it's more about just being able to get him out of the South more so than, gee, he's going to go to LSU. I, I think if he was a given to go to LSU, he'd committed already. I don't think he's a lock to LSU. I think he's right now he's a kid that's going to be tough staying south. But the, the, there's only one reason Notre Dame has a, a legit, legitimate shot with him right now, and it's the fact that he's a phenomenal student. And I think there's that interest in Notre Dame now that Notre Dame has a full staff on board. My view may change, Brandon. And, and, and look, I mean, that's kind of part of the reason we're fired up about Notre Dame hiring Al Golden. You know, Ryan has an article that's going to come out tomorrow that he wrote about Al Golden's history as a recruiter. I mean, there was a class of Virginia where he signed two five-star players at linebacker in the same class. The problem, however, is they were both from Virginia, you know, uh, Ahmad Brooks so, and Kai Parham. Yeah. And that's the thing. is like it's one thing to do that. It's nothing to go down to Louisiana. But could Notre Dame be in the game? Yeah, I think they could be a game. And we had a comment from, from, uh, from Tyler Longbreak. He says, Freeman and Golden in a recruit's house is going to be dangerous. And I, I think you're absolutely right. That's why we're talking about Jaden Osbury. That's not where, why we're not just ignoring him because we think their name's in the game, but it's just right now there's a lot of schools are going to have to overcome. But they're, 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 they're in the game. He visited, I think he visited this summer. Him and his brother visited this summer. He's been on campus. And I mm-hmm. wouldn't be shocked if he comes back again. Notre Dame's in the game. I'll just make sure everybody understands. This isn't an Anthony Hill situation. It's just right now, if I were to enlist the three schools, he's most likely to end up at right now. Notre Dame's not one of them. That's just being honest. But that's the good thing about where they are at linebacker because they can they can keep on him and not have to work. Because, like, normally like – here's the deal. Let's say Preston Zenter would have followed his brother to Michigan. Okay? Notre Dame would be in a situation now where they'd still have to be recruiting guys because numbers-wise they're not where they need to be yet. So you have to have a bigger board to make sure you get at least your numbers needs. You can't really take a lot of risks. Because you have Drake Bone and Zinter, if you strike out, you're okay. You're fine. But that allows you to, to play the long game, right? And that's the key. That, to get a kid like Jaden Osbury, more, off, more, like, more often than not, kids like him, kids like Anthony Hill, kids like Impemba, kids like that, kids like Gillette that has the offer list that he has, they tend to be long game players, right? Like sure. you know, their, their recruitment's going to take some time. They want to take visits. They want to do the officials and all that. Notre Dame can play the long game at linebacker now because of the fact that they had such a great 22 class and they're off to such a great start in 2023. So that's the key. Brian, I wanted to pull up this question just because it it goes along with what you guys are talking about. JoJo says, Mm -hmm. I heard on Twitter, Jaden Osbury has locked in a visit to Notre Dame. He's shorter than ideal. Would you guys uh, oppose if he wanted to come or go after someone else? Oh, God. If Jaden Osbury wants to come to Notre Dame, Ryan. (laughs) I was I was gonna say if we're answering the second part, I mean Jaden Osbury would be a take today, right? And I think oh, they would yeah. be a take for the staff, but not just for myself. Jaden right? Osbury like, so. is a take for Notre Dame whenever he wants. Like if Notre Dame, Absolutely. let's say Samuel and Pemba commits to Notre Dame, just for argument's sake. Say, hey, yep. they're done. They're gonna keep recruiting Jaden Osbury. Like sure. This kid is a dude. And the mm-hmm. other thing about Jaden is, and this is this is the this is the reason I, I talk more about him and then maybe some other players is I think Jaden's a fit at Notre Dame which you don't often mm-hmm. say about a kid from Louisiana, right? Sure. Baton Rouge, Louisiana especially. But when you find that fit, the Jerry Tilleries, the Logan Diggs, the Lawrence Keys, you got to really go after that guy because those guys tend to, once they really get up and get around the program a lot more, they're like, well, you know, they, they're just going to click a little bit more. 
so you you recruit Jay Nosbury until he tells you to stop recruiting him. I mean, and even then, I may still like just occasionally shoot him some DMs and texts. But no, JoJo, if Jaden wants to come today, I'm bringing him in. If we, sure. if 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 we as a you know looking at it from a Notre Dame coaching standpoint, if we get a third linebacker, I'm and he wants to come later, I'm, I'm still taking him. I mean, he's not he's just a kid you don't pass on. And the whole shorter than ideal thing, that's to me, that's more prominent if I'm an NFL team than if I'm a college team. At the end of the day, in college, it's still a lot about can you play ball or not. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of guys that don't fit the profile that are darn good college football players. And I think you have to balance those two, those two things out effectively. You know, you, you want to have your t- prototypes and you need to pursue those. But at the same time, you need to be willing to open things up to say, hey, look, this kid doesn't fit the mold of what I normally look for, but he's just too good to pass up. I mean, Kyler Murray fit no one's mold as a quarterback. But sometimes the guy's just too good to pass up, you know, and and that's that's how I feel about Jeb. You guys may not feel about him the way that I do. I, I, he's a five-star player to me. He just doesn't have five-star body. But as far as his ability to run and hit and his instincts and his playmaking and all that, everything about him except his six-foot 205 screams five-star to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the yeah. way, as I mentioned again, he's a borderline 4.0 student. If not a 4.0 student, he may be a 4. I mean, he's close in that range, I believe, from the people that I've talked to. So this is this is the kind of kid you – and his brother's the same way. His brother's a very high academic. His brother liked Notre Dame a lot. It's just Notre Dame wasn't – didn't really push for him. So yeah. that that that's the thing that makes this really interesting. And if, if you're not a guy with the length, right, If uh, since Osbury doesn't, you have to be a guy that either makes up for those for with overcompensate mm-hmm. with athleticism or instincts, and he has both of that. Right. So he's right. definitely attained. At a high level. Uh, at a high level. And and I know the question was asking, you know, as he locked in a visit. I, I saw something about it on Twitter, but I have not verified that, so I don't right. want to put that in the universe until I verified right. that myself. Right. All right, let's move on to the next position group in question. That would be the cornerbacks. And obviously Notre Dame has Justin Rett uh, in the class already. And so where do they need to go? Do they need to go? Where where do they stand with the corners, Brian? I think one is the need. I think you need two because you've signed really two corners last year. You signed four the year before, but one of them's gone. So you're five. I think seven in two years is is a good number number situation, especially since some of the corners on the board in the 2022 one class or, or sort of projects that haven't really flashed yet. So I think, I think two is the ideal number. They would take a third if it's the right guy, they, they would go to three. And again, that's the benefit of this being a bigger class is you can go beyond your numbers if the right guy wants to come. So I, I think one is the minimum. I think two would be the ultimate goal. Cause from what I'm told, when Notre Dame goes to a nickel, they want to have the ability to play nickel on almost on a consistent basis with three corners in the game. So not just, you know, you can play nickel with a, with a safety and, but they want to have the ability against teams to line up and play three corners all game long. And that requires a certain skill set, but it also, you've got to have some numbers too. Right. And, and I think that, that that's why this – and I think this is a really pretty strong corner year from what I can tell so far, Ryan. There's a lot of depth at the position. And I think no, it's just like last year was a really good corner year too, in my opinion. And Notre Dame tried to tap into it. They got two good ones and then obviously lost on on Dante Moore. But I, I think this is another year where Notre Dame is going to look to take advantage of the depth in the, in the class and say, hey, look, 
we're okay if we just get two, but we'd like to get three. I think that's the mindset that the Nerding coaches have, which is why their board is it's like it's a weird board, Ryan. Like there's some guys mm-hmm. on it that they like, but then there's some other guys that I don't know if I like as much that they seem to be pushing for a little bit harder. It's a it's a really str- I think there's some some different coaches have different priority lists when it comes to corner. Sure. You know what I mean? So it's a really strange, it's a really strange board, in my opinion. But there's some guys on it that can really, really play, of course, including Ryan, the guy they already got, and Justin Red. And I think you and I did a film breakdown, and we talked about he can play both field and boundary. And the sure. fact that he's not locked into one, I think, gives the staff a lot of flexibility on who they combine with him in the class. Yeah, no, and I was going to say they, they have a great baseline. That was the first thing I was going to say with a guy like a Justin Reck. Because this kid, I mean, this kid has top – I mean, he's a borderline top 50 player by depending on what platform you look at. But he's got top 50 slam dunk talent level. Like this kid's a legit 4-4 kid with length and athleticism. So – and he plays at Bishop Gorman. So he's relatively – you know, I mean, he's a, he's well coached for his level of comp- competition and, and as a junior in high school. So – Lots of like about a guy like a Justin Rett and then mixing in with guys. And we've heard recently Micah Tease is a guy that's that's big on Notre Dame's radar, a guy that they really like um, coming out of there. Uh, you know, he's kind of been looked at um, as a, you know, he's he's right in Oklahoma's backyard a little bit, right? So Oklahoma's kind of been like the assumed, you know, oh, they got to be in on Micah Tease. And he's a guy, if you, if you look at his, he's at Booker T. Washington out in Oklahoma, really good program, plays wide receiver, defensive back, and was watching his film a little bit uh, tease. And I, I really thought, Brian, I don't know if you agree with me, but I, I thought from a athleticism perspective, I really thought that he surprised me a ton with just one. He's got very good recovery speed. Now he's not the longest kid in the world, but he is around 5'10", 5'11", nice recovery speed, but really good zone awareness. I think he's a really smart football player and he's just got a propensity for turning the football over and making big plays, whether it's on offense or defense. So a guy that I think is very high on Notre Dame's radars, a guy that I think also likes Notre Dame a ton because I've talked to him and he's de- they're definitely within, you know, within the t- the top for him. If he said he said if he doesn't have a a top of the board right now, he said if he did have a top though, Notre Dame would be right at the top among the leaders. So Mike Atiz, I think, is a guy that's super interesting. We got guys like Braxton Myers that are up top. I you know that I'm a big Malik Muhammad fan. I think that mm-hmm. Notre Dame should still keep pushing. There and I know you you agree with that one to say the least. Like he is a dynamic press cornerback that I think also could work inside at nickel, could follow you know receivers. He'd all be over the, the best place. corner they've signed in over a decade, in my opinion. If they were to wow, get high praise. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I don't know who you would say is higher than him. I mean, I, I mean, coming out of high school, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anybody I would put in that conversation. Booker T. Washington in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I feel like there might have been a couple Notre Dame legends that came from there. There's this, there's this running yeah, back. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. We had him on the show one time. Guy named Reggie Brooks. You guys ever heard of him? Played running back player. in Notre Dame a long time ago. Sorry. Yeah. It'd be nice to get back into Tulsa and get some players. Because you know, that's a that's... very underrated city when it comes to producing talented players. Agreed. They don't produce a lot, but you know, I'd be curious as like the number of players that come out of that area that become really good college football players. I yeah. like Mike, and I think he's a little longer than he is tall, you know, which I think okay. is part of the reason they're still looking at it. He's not super long. I mean, he's not like, you know, 35-inch yeah. arms, but I think he has some length to him despite not being a real tall guy. The other mm-hmm. thing about him is there's a, a guy, Ryan, on our board that 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 I chat, you know, with about recruiting off off the air, and he loves Mike Atiz as a receiver. I mean, he likes him more as a receiver. 
There are other yeah. people that like him more as a receiver, and I think that just goes to that whole you're bringing in a guy that can play. And I think that's something that Notre Dame is looking for. And obviously Christian Gray from St. Louis is a guy that they like a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a you know, he's a player that they like. I, I like Christian Gray. I'm just – Ryan, I want to get your opinion. I'm not as quite as high on Christian Gray as maybe some others. Like Rivals has him as like a borderline top 100 player. I'm not quite there with with Christian Gray. I, I think he's good. I think he's long. I think he's instinctive. But I just – I feel like he athletically doesn't really move the needle athletically from where they are. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I I agree. I was going to say he's kind of, for me, a guy that just checks a lot of boxes, but he's like a, you know, he he checks a lot of things, but he's not kind of like a master of no, no given trait, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's just nothing flashy about him. I just, I think, I think supreme consistency with a player like him. I think that he's super detent dependable, but I mean, when you're talking about projection, right? Like a Mm. Justin Rett could be a star if he is developed properly. Right. A guy like Micah Tease, you mentioned, I mean, I think this is a legit four, four kid. I think that, like you said, some teams are like, yeah, why receiver? Cause he led the team in receiving on a really good football team playing both ways, led them in, in interceptions and he's a track guy as well for the program. I mean, he's he can run a little bit, man. And he's there's I mean, a ceil- there's, of higher ceiling there, right? Yes, right. A- athle- from an athletic perspective, because I think he's also quick footed with being straight line fast. A guy like Mike Atiz, and I mean, there's a school that I I talked to somebody close to to him, and there's a school that wants to recruit him as a safety. So you see him all over the place a little bit. I mean, he yes. can hit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that kid can come down. And don't get me wrong, I like Christian Gray. I think he's a top 200 caliber player. I just kind of view him as a lot like what Notre Dame gets relatively consistently. That's fair. You know, good, yeah. good player. I'm curious about the ceiling. I do he think, reminds however, me of, he reminds me of not, not to cut you off, but he reminds, I mean, he's what? longer, but he reminds me of like KJ yeah. Wallace a little bit, you know, like it's just, it's yeah, solid good, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Solid I think KJ right? had a little bit more suddenness, but that's also because yeah. Christian is a lot, has got longer legs than KJ had. It's a little easier sure. to be sudden when you got those short legs. That's a good comparison. And I'll say this. I'll feel a lot better about Christian Gray if he's the third corner in his class because Absolutely. where I really like Christian Gray is I like him in the slot. That's where I really mm-hmm. like Christian Gray. I think if he can be like more of a full-time like slot player like Tariq Bracey was for a lot of this year, then his value to me goes up. I don't love him as much like out on an island outside by himself. That's really where I'm like, I, you know, he look, and what I mean by that is we're talking about recruiting to win a championship. Right, like Christian Gray can play. Don't get me wrong. Christian Gray's a good football player. But I'm more looking at it like, okay, when you go play Bama, are you going to want to put him on an island against the next Devontae Smith or Jamison Williams? I don't know if I want to do that. Put him in the nickel with a safety behind him? I, I, I like that because he's a physical kid. Right. That's the thing I like about Christian. Mm-hmm. He's a tough kid. He's a physical kid. Also plays both ways, which I love. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to make sure that people understand where I'm coming from with him. He, he's a good football player. I just feel like Notre Dame's at the point now where the Christian Grays, I know exactly what you're smirking at. I saw it. Um, uh, I The Christian Grays, to me, I feel like you can get guys like that relatively consistently in Notre Dame. You can't get the Malik Muhammad's consistently. You know, you can't get guys like that consistently. And, you know, Caleb Presley's another guy that I know they're trying to get in with uh, yeah. from out in Washington. He's another guy that I like as a kind of a big safety or I mean, big corner type of outside physical type of guy that could be a really good boundary safety as well. So mm-hmm. I think the board is interesting and and I don't know if I feel super confident in that they're going to get anyone other than maybe Christian Gray. 
So there's some work to be done there. There's definitely some work yeah. to be done there at, at cornerback in this class. I mean, I'm and not going to make earlier, it. I meant to say Devin Moore. I said Dante Moore. You can just tell I got Dante Moore in my brain. But, but I mean, who doesn't? To, to who doesn't, right? Devin Moore. <laughs> Vince is going to wear a Michigan <laughs> shirt for it. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll do what I got to do. All right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> I'll, I'll call up my uh, my big brother, Mike Elson. I'm sure he's got some stuff he can mm-hmm. send my way. It yeah. might look like I'm wearing my dad's clothes, but that's yeah. okay. Vince, Vince, when did you get those uh, Michigan PJs, man? What? <laughs> that are like six inches yeah. too long. And that, yeah, yeah just, you know, whatever. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, one more position to talk about before we jump into some questions that I've been kind of going through here on the side safety. Safety for Notre Dame is a very interesting spot, uh, I think, right now, Brian. What say you about safety? <laughs> They're off to a pretty darn good start at safety. I mean, in a lot of years, Adon Shuler is your best safety recruit in a sure. lot of years. There's a chance in this class he could be third. He's already second. And and that's a, you know, so like people don't talk a lot about Adon Shuler, right? Have you ever noticed like when we start talking about Notre Dame's committing, we rarely hear Adon Shuler mentioned he's, as a guy they're st- excited about. And after, that kid afterthought, can, man. He can play. Yeah. That kid is a good football player. Uh, yeah. I love Adon Shuler. And and then you look at Peyton Bowen. Obviously, Ryan and I talked about this when we, you know, we did the film break. If you haven't seen the film breakdown we did on him, you got to check it out. But, you know, we popped mm-hmm. in the film and that kid got special, special talent. I don't have him as a five-star yet because I think he's still kind of raw. But he's got five-star physical tools, and I'll be shocked if by the time he's done with his career, I haven't bumped him up to a five-star. I just tend to try to be really picky with giving juniors five-star rankings, which is why I don't hammer rivals for the fact that they don't have like 30-some five-stars yet. Now, they mm-hmm. do it because I think more just for effect and clicks and all that, but if they do it for the right reasons, then I'm on board with it. Like, you know, you got to earn five-star status to me. you got to really show some things. But, man, I love Peyton Bowen's talent. So, I mean, you start off with those two. Again, if you don't get another safety in this class, they're they're okay. I mean, numbers-wise, they're okay, but they want a third safety in this class. There's no doubt about it. They'd like a third safety in this class, but it's going to have to be a guy that they can that can really play. And of course, Ryan, there's there's one name on the board above all others that you talk about what would be what would be the dream scenario. Mm-hmm. It's unlikely, but there's one guy on the board that man, if this staff could somehow pull this off, whew, it could be special. Yeah, and, and, and no, I'm not talking about King Mac. We're not talking about, oh, well, I was going to lead into King Mac in no, a second, no, man. It's not who I'm talking about. Not who I'm talking that's about. That's your boy. I, love I King need Mac, to talk, but that's not who I'm talking I, about. I need to give you your St. Thomas Aquinas fix, man. I need that's to get right. it for no, you. It's not, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a big Aquinas guy, to be honest with you. Nah. Like, I, I see a lot of those guys go to college and they don't quite pan out quite the way that guys, you know, some other places do. It's just more about, I just, I love King Mac. I think that kid can really play. It's fair. But that's fair. no, that's not. I'm this kid's a little bit further north, one state up, one yes. state up north, uh, is the guy that I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah, of course. We're talking about Caleb Downs, which again, Joshua Downs, wide receiver from North Carolina, his younger brother, six foot, 185 pounds. He is, and I put this on a podcast, so it's out there in the universe. I, if you, if you ask me who I thought was the best football player, regardless of you know the positional value stuff, right? Because you talk about what, how much quarterbacks mean to a program, all that good stuff. This might be the best player I've evaluated so far in the 2023 class, man. I just 
there's you have a hard time trying to poke a hole in what Caleb Downs can do as a football player, as a free safety, as a strong safety, rolling up, playing in the box, playing middle of the field at times, playing split field, like playing man to man. Like there's just so much that this young man can do. And I think when you what you already have now, and we can't overlook the two guys that are already in the class, like Brian said, everybody just is not giving enough enough credit to Mr. Schuler. But man, mm-hmm. my, my New Jersey guy can play some football. Mm-hmm. And he is a Nice, too high guy that plays. I mean, he plays the alley with reckless abandon. He plays a physical brand of football. You need players like him on your defense. And then you could, it makes so much sense from a stylistic perspective because then you got a guy like Peyton Bowen, who, when we're talking about five star upside, the range is just silly. Like he is Mm -hmm. technically speaking, it needs to get more consistent in and out of his pedal and just kind of being a more proactive football player. But when he turns and unlocks his hips and just starts showing off that range, the kid can cover just a a ridiculous amount of ground. Like it's just unfair at times. Like he has range on the back end where he could be a true free, like center field type free safety. He's got that type of special to him. So now that we have that, now that Notre Dame has that baseline, again, a baseline, let's go for a guy like a Caleb Downs, right? Because this kid is special. Could you imagine if Notre Dame has the ability to have Caleb Downs and um, and and uh, Peyton, Peyton Bowen. Bowen on the field, and then Adon Schuler comes in in three safety looks? Like, that is just a ridiculous mm-hmm. kind of thing to think about for a second. And I, I just I'm, – I'm looking so much – you know, and it's, again, is it likely – Probably not, but right now you've put yourself in a position at safety where if you're class ended today, Notre right. Dame is in a great spot. You're in a great right. spot, not a good spot, a fantastic right. spot if you sign the two players that they have right in the class right now. But the fact right. that you may have a chance at a guy like a Caleb Downs at least take the shot, really take a right. swing, that's what – I mean, it gives you so much hope because you can put all your attention now in the safety class on a guy like a Caleb Downs. And, and I've been told that if they get a third safety – because there's some other guys on the board. I mean, there's some other guys sure. on the board from their name. Jair Hill's on the board from their name from Illinois. Yep. King Max, a kid they've looked at. I think Ryan Yates is a guy they like more as a safety than they do as a corner. The kid from mm-hmm. Texas who's a, who's a, a teammate of, of Peyton Bowen. They yep. like all those guys. And they're not going to wait for Caleb Downs because the, the what I have been told by multiple people is – I don't care when Caleb Downs decides to come. If we have four safeties in the class and Caleb Downs decides he wants to come to Notre Dame, we're taking Caleb Downs. I mean, yeah. there's you always have room for a top of the board guy. I mean, and to your point is that's how you compete for championship. It's not just getting those guys, but not being so stubborn. Like, well, you know, we met our numbers. Sorry, Caleb, you don't have a spot. No, yes, you have a spot. No matter. I would say, hey, look, man, if you pick another school and you go there and you don't like as a freshman year, you still have a spot at Notre Dame. I'm just saying, because legally you can say that when a kid hasn't signed somewhere. I mean, you know, and that's absolutely right. you're going to see more and more teams doing that. Like, hey, just so you know, if things don't work out, if you don't pick us and things don't work out, you know, you know, keep me in mind, kind of thing. But you know, that, that's a that's a that's a dude right there, Ryan. I mean, that's that's a dude. And you know, if you're someone who cares about recruiting rankings, I mean, those are those are the kind of kids too that help you solidify those. That top spot because I've I've always said I don't think Notre Dame's ever going to have a number one recruiting class. This mm-hmm. class is making me a little nervous when it comes to you know because I don't like being wrong. But if if it's if it's wrong about something like this, then then I'll I'll take it. You know, and this club this class it has a chance because there's just so many highly ranked guys in the class, and there's so many highly ranked guys still on the board that they mm-hmm. have a legitimate shot at or at least a an outside shot at. I think that's the thing that makes this unique, but. 
you know, you said something at the very end there, Ryan, and this is kind of how we wrap it up. When when you've started with, I mean, you could make a case that a Don Schuler would rank mm-hmm. sixth in this class amongst the committed players, uh, just on defense. Mm-hmm. When when you're when you're sitting here in February, and a Don Schuler is your sixth best defensive commit, you have a phenomenal defensive class being worked mm-hmm. on, right? And and when Preston Zinter's seventh, I mean, this is Preston Zinter used to be what Notre Dame would get first when it came right. to the recruiting. And I I was trying to find an article that I did relatively recently about this class because the the how quickly they're they're getting. So first of all, to put it into perspective, just when you look at the first nine players that that they've got a commitment from, and compare it to any other of the elite classes that Notre Dame has signed. You know, like the the 2011 class, the 2013 class, the 2021 and 22 classes, which were those were the four composite top ten classes that that Notre Dame had, and and you compare it, it, it's like this class is just so much, so much better. So, and they're off to such a fast start. And this is what I had in the article. I finally found it. Yeah, at the same stage last year, Notre Dame had just six commits each of the last two classes. And last year, they didn't get their seventh commit until March 4th. And then they ended up getting their ninth commit by March 17th. So that's a month from now. Yeah. The year before in 2021, they didn't get their seventh commit until April 15th. And they didn't get to nine commits till June. Now mm-hmm. it's the 2021 class that finishes a top 10 national class with Tyler Buckner and Blake Fisher and guys like that. And so when you when you look at that, I mean, in in past years they didn't get to nine until the fall, just because. But the, it's it's unfair to compare that to because the the whole filling up early is really a decade old thing. That wasn't how it used to be. But when you look at the start that they're off to, I mean, it, it it's an un, it's an unreal start. Here's some numbers from that class. As I mentioned, all nine, and this was before rivals came out with their new top two fifty because they had eight of the nine at the time were top two fifty kids, but all were four star recruits. Here, here's a little here's some here's some comparison, right? So all all nine are minimum four star recruits. Two of them are composite five stars, Drake Bowen and and Keon Keeley. So if you look at Notre Dame's past great classes, right? So the, I think the two best besides twenty two and twenty one were thirteen and eleven. The thirteen class ranked third through the first nine commitments of the two thousand thirteen class, which again finished third. Notre Dame had had just one top hundred commit. They've got five, they got uh, let me see composite wise now I think it's it's Bowen Vernon Keeley uh, I think are the only three that are composite top hundreds right now correct I don't Vernon oh Bowen so they got what, four top hundred guys I think right now mm-hmm. and you look at you look at the, that year they had one top hundred commit and just three total top two fifty commits on the composite list I think they're like seven or eight right now. If you look at the 2011 class, they had three top 100 commits and just one more top 250 commit. And so they had one more five-star but less total number of guys. And those were those were two, like to me, top classes. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at the 2008 class, which the class that ranked number two, if you remember that class, was finished the rank number two, through his first nine commitments, they had two five-stars. That was uh, Kyle Rudolph and Dane Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. They had two five stars, but then four, they had four more four stars and then they had three, three star commits. And, and they had, I think three, they had um, three of the nine were top hundred players compared to five. Now 
I mean, so again, you just you look at the start that Notre Dame is off to with their first night commitments, and they're way ahead of schedule from even top five classes that Notre Dame assigned. Crazy. And that and and but but the final piece is, and here's what hurt the 2021 class. I remember Vince when they were ranked one, like number one really early. And they had like five commits that were ranked right. number one really. They had, they yep. had Tyler Buckner and Blake Fisher. And, yeah, I remember that. And it was like a pretty highly ranked class. Gabriel Rubio was in that class already. The thing we said was, but there's just not a lot of big time guys left on a board. Like Deion Colsey committed early. Blake Fisher committed early. I mean, not Blake Fisher. Uh, Lorenzo Styles committed early. It's like all like for with the exception of Prince Collie, all their big name guys are already committed. And there just weren't a ton of big name players left on the board, you know. Where you can say, yeah, they 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 get even if they got like their top five guys left on the board, they probably still weren't going to stay number one. If you look at this class, there's a legitimate. They don't have to do the inside straight to stay number one. You have to hope that they don't drop their kids that they currently have. But but when you look at the number of top hundred receivers on the board and Dante Moore and all the offensive linemen, I mean that's the other thing is Notre Dame rarely has this many kids committed and zero of them are offensive linemen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's only two offensive recruits in general. That's right. get, get, that gives you a lot of hope. It's like with all these new coaching hires, there's, right. there's going to be a little bit of a boom on the offensive right. side of the football at some point. I know somebody right. put in like, are we worried a little bit? Yeah. Not right now because we just, they still, just hired the whole staff a week yeah, ago. You know, just I, hired the whole staff. I mean, and if 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 there's such high opinions of this class right now, when it's right. pretty much just a strictly defensive right. class right now, just wait till we start getting some of these offensive guys in. Because the be difference exciting. is. For all the turnover, you still had Marcus Freeman, you still yep. had Chad Bowden, you still had Mike Mickens, and you still had Chris O'Leary. The mm-hmm. first one being the most important. You still had Marcus Freeman, so you could still go get kids. You could still, I mean, them I mean, they signed, they got Peyton Bowen since after Brian Kelly left, right? They got Preston Zinter after Brian Kelly left. Like, you know, they were able to add, not just maintain, but they were able to add to it because of Marcus Freeman. Offensively, it's a different deal because they had so much turnover. I mean, you lost. You got rid of Dell and, and Jeff Quinn, and then you lose Lance Taylor and John McNulty. And, and when coaches leave for jobs like that, clearly they were looking. We talked about this on the show. John McNulty had wasn't even like at one of the one of the visit weekends, right? Like he had been out on the road doing his job. But like when you get an offensive coordinator job, clearly you're 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 looking for those things, which is fine. I mean, good for them. I I've got no problem with those guys getting promotions to being coordinators. But that takes time. It takes it, it, it takes investment of your time to pursue and land an offensive coordinator job in the ACC. So clearly, their time was being distracted, and that's 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 not a criticism. I hope people understand that. that that's not a that's what that they pick the right time to do that. It's like once the season's over, signing day is early. Signing day is passed. Now I got to look out for me and what my goals are. So they they did it the right way, in my opinion. The point is, however, to your point, Ryan. It's hard to put a recruiting class together when you don't have any coaches, right? And Absolutely. so that's the that's not the case anymore. So and and again, that's also why I put out those numbers because Notre Dame is way ahead of schedule right now from where they've ever been at this point in time. Normally, they're like four or five commits. If they only had five kids committed, two on offense, three on defense, no one would be like, "What's going on with the offense right now?" It'd just be like, "Yeah, okay." Right? I don't even think Bama has five kids committed. Right now, I, I think only Bama's got a couple kids in the class. Ohio State doesn't have any many, many kids in the class. Notre Dame's way ahead of schedule. The offensive staff is going to be fine, right? Right. It just it's just the defense is so good right now and so far ahead of schedule that it's it's just kind of it's like making the offense look bad, but in reality they're fine. As I mentioned, nobody else has more than six top two hundred and fifty players according to Rivals. Yeah, Notre Dame has five in the top hundred. 
They're all on defense, right? So just be patient, right? And when you have that kind of turnover, it's going to take a little bit of time. So I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. But Vince, let's get to the. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there so we can get to some questions before you got to get out of here. Yep, I, and that's actually going to be pretty quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have starred a bunch of questions, so let's head over and start at the top. Here we go. Real quick, Brian, what are your thoughts on Tommy's comment about not knowing where he'll be next year? Folks all over are freaking out about it, and Sean wasn't thrilled about it either. I think it's being taken out of context. I, I took it as more of a I'm not worried about next year kind of thing as opposed to I'm not sure I'm going to be here. Um, I I don't, I don't do the soap opera stuff, man. So I'll, I'll go back and listen to it again. It didn't strike me as something that concerned me when yeah, he said it. Yeah, it didn't strike me when I when he said it either. So, you know, I, I think maybe – I think people are kind of reading into the the events of what happened. And, Ryan, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I, I kind of feel like it's 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 turning something into – or turning nothing into something just kind of – because I, I didn't take it – I didn't take it the way that a lot of people are taking it, which, you know, I could I could be the one wrong on that but i didn't i didn't take it that way I, I didn't even hear tommy's comments so i'll i'll refrain from even commenting i'll just say you know you've kind of put it out in the universe that long term tommy reese might have other aspirations sure. outside of notre dame sure. so it just is what it is As we'll see what most coaches like. do and it's not so yeah. much outside of notre dame it's like he yeah. wants to be an offense you know, in the nfl and then right. you right. like to be head coach well you know your head coach is 36 years old i mean that that job is mm-hmm. probably gonna be taken for a while so sure. um yeah i we'll see we'll see we do have a super chat from Corey that I want to make sure that we get to. Thank you very much, Corey. This is off topic, and I apologize, but I'm worried about NBC's interest in the Big Ten. What does it mean for Notre Dame? Are you worried too, CBS or Fox? I don't get too worried about stuff like this. Like Notre Dame's going to be fine. I right. mean, there someone's going to want Notre Dame. It actually, might team. even work out better for Notre Dame. I mean, in the long run. It, it, if anything, for me, it revives my dream because right now CBS doesn't have anybody. Right, except like what the American Athletic Conference, right? They lost like, the SEC. They didn't lost they? the SEC. Yeah, and my dream of every Notre Dame home game, beginning with the CBS College Football song, is alive and well. If NBC goes and gets Notre Dame, <laughs> I hate NBC's coverage. Of Notre Dame, hate it. I don't think NBC is a strong sports network. It's why they have like one NFL game a week. Right, go to one of the networks that is thrown out more dough get more money because the thing I've read is what they would in order for them to get the big 10, they're going to have to pay the big 10 more than what Fox is paying them, which is 50 million a year. That would blow away what they're paying Notre Dame. You know, the bat, the look that would be is if the big 10's getting paid this and Notre Dame's getting paid like 20 something Notre Dame would tell NBC, I would hope to go pound sand. But again, it revives my dream of Notre Dame being on CBS so that every game can start with the CBS college football theme song. I mean, how, How's that not a, a win for Notre Dame? You know, I'm saying somewhat sarcastic. I mean, the win would be financially, but for me, I mean, that we just, don't see any of that coin. So, mm-mm. you know, it, it is what it is. That uh, would Scott, be tremendous. Scott McDonald has a comment here about Al Golden. Uh, what or with how quickly it became official, Golden had to be have accepted the job seven to ten days ago, right? Otherwise, why the other coaches take so long to be announced? It's not about when you accept the job. It's about when you begin the vetting process. Right. Al Golden wasn't the only defensive coordinator, from what I understand, that was vetted. I can tell you with 100% certainty that Al Golden did not accept the job seven to ten days ago. Everything I told you is true. And I was very clear to say he was not officially offered the job. Right. But 
this is who Marcus Freeman wanted late in the process. This was not decided a month ago. It was a situation where the process was started, just like Jared Parker got announced somewhat quickly. Quick, yeah, it was pretty quick. He stand it was like two days because three days. That that vetting process began before because there was another position that they had considered Jared Parker for because they he wanted Jared Parker on staff in some capacity. Chris right, Freeman did. Right, mm-hmm. you know. So the reason he was Harry, a wide receiver, coach, right? So there you right. go. I mean, so yeah. I mean, he did not accept the job seven to ten days ago. Right. This is well. This is another one about Big Ten, so I'll I'll pass that one up. I apologize. I hope the I hope Notre Dame takes it a slap in the face and uses it to go somewhere else because I hate NBC. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't hate NBC. I don't have anything against NBC. I hate how I hate NBC's coverage of Notre Dame football is more of what I'm what I mean by that. I have nothing against NBC compared to anybody else. It's just whatever. Garrett, uh, let's see. Will Al Golden have success pulling kids from the South, such as Florida, Georgia? Texas, etc. Ryan, you want to take a crack at that? Yeah, no, I think so. When you're talking about Coach Golden's ties, right? He was a football player at Penn State. Then he goes down at University of Virginia, eventually as a defensive coordinator, like Brian kind of alluded to. He comes up to Temple. He goes down to the University of Miami. He's been in the NFL with Cincinnati. Uh, before that, with the Detroit Lions. So I would say he has shown that he can – uh, to answer the question directly, I think he can, yes, because I think that he's shown that he can attack different areas of the of mm-hmm. the of the country. It's not just one region that is ex- exclusive to a guy like Al Golden. He has shown that he can pull players. If you go back to some of his Miami, and I have an article coming out about this, like Brian teased a little bit earlier. That's I think he said going to come out tomorrow, and it's going to talk a lot about hey, when he was down specifically in Miami, and he had kind of a lot more resources, even though they were under sanctions during those years, mm-hmm. he was pulling top 10 classes and not especially just early Florida on. kids. Yeah, yeah. Especially early on. Yeah. yeah. Now, it was three straight years. I think where it was top 12 finish according to 24 seven sports. Um, and he was pulling kids and it wasn't just from Florida. He was pulling kids from all up the East coast, pulling some kids from out, you know, moving a little further uh, West. So yes, I think that he can recruit, Nationally, I think he can recruit in different regions. I don't think this is just exclusive even to just Florida, Georgia. I think he can, can extend up to Texas. I think he can set up to the Northeast. I think mm-hmm. that he has reach as a recruiter, yes. Yeah, and I mean, to, to your point, I mean, you look at some of those classes. His first year at Miami, they landed Jalen Grimble from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy that they went out and got. So, I mean, yes, they got – they got. I mean, Miami's always going to get a lot of Florida guys. But to your point, sure. they did have success going outside of – outside the state of Florida and, and getting kids. And, and, you know, again, early on, I think the success you had at Miami early on was a lot better than what it was later because of, again, it was the fact that they were dealing with sanctions and, yeah. uh, you know, that, that was something that, that really kept them, you know, to me, kept them from really getting to their, to their full potential as a, as a, as a program. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, we could, we could go through and, and point to all those guys, but I, look, and the, the reality too is, those connections where they help you is they help you when it comes to building relationships with coaches sure. more so than the players it's with high school coaches and getting high school coaches on your, on your side and, and having, you know, being, being with you as part of that. And I think that's really where, where your success, more of your success comes from. And so at the end of the day, recruiting successes, and again, it's also change, right? We got to remember we're in 2022. We're not 1982 anymore. That's not said as a shot. It's just that things things evolve. And it, the reason being a good recruiter in a state was so important is because, as we mentioned the other day, there weren't the 
the recruiting services and and the ease of travel and and everything being digital you you had to you had to have connections down there because that's how you found out about players you know and that's why you would you know, we talked about this the other day that's why you'd have regional recruiters that would go down there and just drive from school to school to school to school trying to find players because it wasn't as easy to find players you know you can find players now just from sitting at home you know or mm-hmm. sitting in your office watching film getting on the phone doing zoom calls like things like that now you still have to get out and go, but there's not as much of that, you know, as far as finding players. Now it's like, we know who we want. Let's get on the road and go get them. And, and so I don't think the need to have a guy from Texas, a guy from there. Now you need coaches that can recruit those areas to a degree, but it doesn't have to be someone from there. If you right. have the chops to be a great recruiter, meaning personality, work ethic, organization skills, the ability to form and, and build connections and relationships with players, with parents, with coaches, with guidance counselors, with all that stuff, then you can be successful anywhere. It just, it just, it may take longer to really establish those connections early on, but it doesn't mean that you can't have success. I mean, I would point to Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman spent his entire career in the North coaching mm-hmm. Kent state Purdue. He's, he's coaching in Ohio or Indiana, his whole career, I believe. Right. Played yep. at Ohio from Ohio. Look at his impact nationally over the last year at Notre Dame. I mean, you're getting kids from St. Louis. You're getting kids from Virginia. You're getting kids from Texas. You're getting kids from Florida. You're getting kids from Arizona. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're getting kids from California. You're going all over the place to get defensive players because it's, it's just a different world. Why? Because of all the things you talk about, the personality, the genuineness, the work ethic, the organization, the ability to sell yourself, the ability to sell your program. All those things work and all those things play up. So yep. I think those are, to me, those are the things that that you look into. Uh, here's another one about Coach Golden. I'm assuming Coach Al Golden has reached out to the defensive recruits, especially Keeley, Drake, Bowen, and Vernon. Uh, he he needs more interior or flex guys like more. I, I don't know if he's reached out to all of them per se, but I'm sure they're in the process of doing that. I don't want to say they have reached out because we don't know, but I would assume it's something that's going to happen relatively quickly yeah if, if i could just a little context to that brian i did talk to uh, don Schuler pretty recently and he said that he was um in the process of speaking with coach and he's kind of just talked to some people close to the program i, I mean i know there's a lot of moving parts when a coach gets hired right there's press especially when he just had a, a game on sunday right, right? exactly I mean, so it, it's been pretty busy for coach gold over the last right. few days but yes he, he is in the process of making his rounds and i'm sure that the, all that will be taken care of very soon here mm-hmm. with the committed guys yeah Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. James Skeeter, let's go Irish. So where do y'all rank our defense this year? I assume you're talking about the defensive class right now. I mean, there's not a better one on the board just from no. a combination of volume and top level talent. Mm-hmm. So here, here's an interesting question for you, Ryan. Yep. From Jim Mayernich, who's the top 100 player that our coaches think we lead for? My wife won't let me join the chat. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to, to, to pay to get a question asked, but uh, that's funny. kind of funny. So who, who would, I think there's a couple, but who would you say is a top 100 guy that, that the Notre Dame coaches think that they lead for or more not? Let's, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to audible it. Who mm-hmm. do you think? is a top hundred guy that Notre because coaches tend to think they lead for a lot of guys. I mean, that's just yeah. the nature of it, but who do you point. think? And we can, we can share the scoop that we put on the board yesterday, the message board yesterday, since it's yeah. a day old now. Well, I'll lead into a couple guys. I'll say, I mean, he's a borderline top 100 guy. I think he might have top 100. Dice. And that's why it's such a tough question because some guys are top 100 guys and then other guys are, you know, 250 on other platforms right so it's kind of hard to distinguish right. who's a top 100 guy but i think monroe freeling is a top 100 guy by at least one platform the offensive tackle there's two uh, that have him in the top 100 yeah so he's 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 in a couple platforms as a top 100 guy offensive tackle um out of south carolina and he is a really talented kid and i would say right now that i would peg notre dame as his leader uh, now he's going to do his due diligence he's still going to take some visits do all that good stuff but I think that Coach Eastan has done a great job with him early on in the process. I think they were in a good, solid situation with him before uh, Coach Eastan was even hired. And I, I really think that the staff likes him a ton. So Monroe Freeling is definitely one. Like Brian was kind of alluded to, Braylon James, the wide receiver out of um, out of DelVal, Texas, um, mm-hmm. who is a 6'3", 175-pound wide receiver. Um, I have actually have uh, a little bit of a – I have a breakdown of him coming out tomorrow a little bit with him and um, Jaden Greathouse is another wide receiver down there that Notre Dame I, I know is has been talking to. And Braylon is a high academic kid. Uh, I think it was a 5.0 on the 5.0, 5.0 scale. Yeah. Which, is, which is just amazing that just miraculously this year – there mm-hmm. was all you know, in last year. There's all these 4.0 students that are ranked yeah. in the top hundred, like Dante Moore and Braylon James. It's just amazing to me. It's I'm sure it's a total coincidence. I'm yes. sure it has nothing to do with. The, there's a coaching staff that actually works hard now to find those guys. I'm sure. I'm sure that's not it. It has to be a coincidence <laughs> that there's all these top hundred players with great grades that care about academics. I'm totally has to be because you know when Marvin Mims, who's a pretty stud receiver at Oklahoma, when he committed mm-hmm. to Stanford, I'm sure he only had a two two GPA, which is why he flipped Oklahoma, right? I'm sure I'm sure that Absolutely. that's it. That's that's the only way it happens. Sure. Yeah, for sure. sure. <laughs> um, so Brian put some intel on the board. So basically, 
high academic kid, Texas A&M, and some of the other Texas schools are obviously hot on the trail as well. But he's big on Notre Dame. He's big on Stanford. He's a high academic kid, really talented football player. Comparison-wise, he obviously the body isn't filled out. He reminds me a little bit of Des Bryant. I don't know if you love that comparison, but like I just see it from a physical ability to win above the rim. Just I would call him more explosive than maybe long speed type of guy, but I really think that he is a really talented football player who, I mean, he has told us, I mean, he's, he has told to Irish breakdown that Notre Dame is right there, man. (laughs) And his coach, the Intel was too. his coach thinks Notre Dame is the leader. Sure. Part of that is the academics. The other part of it is Chancey Stuckey's been recruiting this kid for a long time, long time. You're right. Cause he was recruiting him at Baylor. I can't remember what show it was, but Ryan, you and I recently were talking about, you know, those, the, 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 when it, when we started to see these, this plethora of long receivers come into college football, mm-hmm. you know, fear sphere. And a lot of it had to do with a lot of shooting guards that were getting converted to receiver. Braylon James is the prototype of that. You know, he is that guy because he's still a really raw player, but he is, I think the word you used the other day was springy. Springy is the yeah. word you use and it fits it correctly. I mean, it's, it's a great way to use it. He's just just now scratching the surface, and he's already top hundred recruit in my view, and in view to several recruiting services. I think two of them for sure have him in the top hundred. They do, yeah. But he is a big time player. I don't I don't know if I paid enough attention of Des Bryant in college, and definitely not in mm-hmm. high school, to be able to 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 you to go with that comparison. I'm I just I just yeah. it's a lack of really studying Des Bryant's game. It's fair, but he fits. He fits a lot of what we see in college football. He he fits like to me like I don't know if I would if I would go T Higgins is not a like not a good example because I think T was smooth and not real explosive. This kid to me is more explosive right. than T was. I'm, I mean I'm trying to think of a good comparison, but I mean he's he's Just, more Justin Ross than he is T Higgins in my opinion. Yeah, because I mean because like I wouldn't say that he again is like the most straight line fast guy, but yeah. like off the line, man, he's explosive and he could stack. He can get when on I top think of some that, guys. To me, when I watch yeah. him, because you see yeah. here's why I say what I'm about to say. Sure. I think he has a lot of speed potential. And I'm not even talking okay. about weight room speed potential, like which uh, you know, a lot of long kids have. They get into a college program and they work on the lower body and they, they get explosiveness. I think when you see him on kick returns. You see that speed more, which tells me the reason we don't see it at receivers because technically he's still not – his game hasn't evolved where he's able to utilize that full speed. Because on kick returns, it's like I love watching kids run down on kickoff because that's Mm -hmm. the one time in a football game we get to see kids for at least 20 yards run as fast as they can. True. Right? Because a lot of other times in football, you're not able to just run as fast as you can. There's got to be a method to your madness, right? And mm-hmm. and to me, when you see this kid really turn it loose on a kick return, like, oh, okay, yeah, there's some juice there. And yeah. I think part of me as a as a receivers coach, I look at it and say, well, there's a lot of technical things I'd want to work on with him. And and there's a lot of untapped potential there. So that's why I would say that, Ryan. I, I agree mm-hmm. with what he shows on film and, and what you're saying. He's not like um, you know, he's not a guy like, oh boy, that's a four three guy. Right? right, but like to me, he's he's faster than a Miles Boy. He plays faster than like a Miles Boykin played. Uh, he he to me is is a guy that I well, I just I really like the kid. I think the kid brings a mm-hmm. lot of potential to the table, and I think if you talk about an outside tandem of of him and Carnell Tate in the class, or him and Tobias Merriweather with a mm-hmm. Rodney Gallagher inside, I mean that 
that's when you start getting into that dream class scenario because and, and I love the fact that Notre Dame is recruiting so much diversity from a skill set and body type standpoint of receiver. I think it's phenomenal. But he's a he's a top hundred guy. And here's the thing, he hasn't visited Notre Dame yet. I know. He's gonna come up in March. I mean, yep. when you're in that good of a position with a kid before he visits, you know, that that's pretty good. Now, is he on commit watch? We're not saying that. I agree with your Monroe Freeling. Uh, I, I agree with that one, Ryan. I think that's a I think that's a very I think that's a very that's a good one. Trying to think of like some, I think Samuel and Pemba is not a guy that Notre Dame leads for anymore, but at one point in time they did. He's a top 100 guy. I think they have a, a good shot. Well, I think Jason Moore, I would say, is would like be top the top two ish, right? Yeah. Like I would say if I part. had to pick one, I'd put them ahead of Penn State right now. I put Notre Dame yeah. ahead of Penn State, but it's a lot closer than I'm comfortable for. Like compared to Monroe Freeling, I think, I think they're, to me, yeah. kind of definitely there. I think with Braylon James, according to his coach, they're def- definitely there. But I think what I would say, what I would focus more on right now uh, to, to John's question is, it's not so much that Notre Dame leads for guys. It's mm-hmm. right now because a lot of these kids haven't visited yet. It's are you in that top two or three? That's Position. where you want to be when these kids come in to visit. Is are you in that top two or three with some regional schools? And I think that list is a lot longer for Notre Dame than the lead. And I think that would be true last year. When they mm-hmm. first off, like when they first offered Jalen Jalen Snead last year in Jan, uh, January, they weren't immediately his leader. That sure. evolved over time, and there's going to be a lot of kids on the board like that. And and here's um, uh, here's here's another. Here we go down a couple more. Uh, David Lowe is anyone else as another fan actually worried about offensive recruiting? We kind of addressed that. Yes. Uh, Garen Nuts and I wonder if Kyle Hamilton going in the top five will influence Downs at all. I think it'll influence every safety, right? Recruit. I, I think we're, I mean, I mean, just from a, a safety perspective, but also just defense in general, right? Like mm-hmm. when you see a guy that goes top five, that's going to kind of like, wow, this team mm-hmm. can, this program can really develop the safety position, especially. I think it would influence downs. I think it would reaffirm Peyton Bowen a little bit because right. he mentioned that to Brian Smith in a right. recent interview. I mean, and it's, it, without it is being paranounced. asked about it, I believe, if I remember listening yes. to it correctly. Because yep. you're you're gonna you're doing a story about it the, from the yep. interview Brian did, I believe he brought up Kyle Hamilton without being asked, like Kyle Hamilton yes. being a top pick without being asked. It just yes. it was on his mind, and he 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 said it. So yeah, that matters. Mm-hmm. That absolutely matters. Uh, B, BK BK month. It would be funny if Notre Dame beats LSU in recruiting. Wasn't that BK's gripe? They've been beating LSU in recruiting the last couple of years. So uh, it just in Brian Kelly's world, it's easier to recruit there. You don't have to work as hard, which is all up about that's that's all right up Brian Kelly's alley. He's way more time for golfing, and he can golf more year round in Louisiana than he can in, in Indiana. Uh, Joe Aribe, I would love for Notre Dame to go to Fox just so games could be called by Gus Johnson. That would be I, Gus is interesting because I feel like he's either you love him or you hate him. I love Gus. I, I love, love Gus. when Gus. I mean, yeah. Gus could make a ten to seven game sound exciting and up tempo. I mean, Absolutely. like that's a skill. I mean, football. Football's a, pa- a game of passion, not just players but fans. And I, I absolutely love listening to Gus. And if he was always calling games for the team that we cover and root for, that would make it even more fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I the, the 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 two that the best Gus Johnson Notre Dame game, in my opinion 
was the 2015 Notre Dame-Stanford game. Because remember all the big plays in that game? You had Will Fuller with that mm-hmm. bomb, Josh Adams had a 60-yard run, C.J. Sanders with the 90-yard kick return. Like, that's some big plays, and Gus made those big plays exciting. I mean, go back and listen to his call on the Will Fuller touchdown alone and then on the, the counter play to, to, to Josh Adams. Like, Gus was, was fired up about those plays. I mean – I think he makes I think he makes the game fun. Robert Didoff also has a comment. He goes, Brian, I agree about CBS being better, especially their sound is much better quality than NBC. Even 30 years ago, CBS's sound was better than NBC. I agree with that. I, I mean, because I, I grew up, you know, NBC, even before NBC took over Notre Dame, NBC did AFC football games. And I always thought CBS games, even though I was a Broncos fan, so I watched more C- NBC games, but my parents were Redskins fans and they would obviously most of their games were on CBS. And I always thought CBS was just a better, just a better production. I mean, obviously having John Madden and Pat Summerall doing big games for all those years was big, but it just felt like a better production, you know, better camera angles. Just, I don't love the NBC production. I never have. They're always tinkering with it. And every tinker they make is like worse, makes it like worse than it was before. Um, they're so focused on being unbiased that it's like they become like sometimes the opposite of it. Although I never mm-hmm. felt that about Drew. A lot of people say Drew Brees is biased. I thought Drew Brees did a great job this year. Yeah, he's fine. I, yeah. I, I enjoy Drew. And because I've listened to some of the games after the season, I thought he did a really good job. David Solomon says, good call, Brian. The only constant is change. The TV networks aren't any different than the apparel companies out with Adidas or whoever, Nike and Under Armour, et cetera, are waiting. I hope Notre Dame never goes to to Nike. We've got one here from Q Kibbs. Yesterday, Freeman talked about how much he relied on Tommy for the offensive hires. Therefore, was it Tommy who wanted to make a change with Dell and Quinn? Not that it really matters. Just curious. I think one for sure Tommy wanted to make. I think the other one took a little bit more convincing. And that's, I'm going to leave it at that. But yeah, I think it, by the end, Tommy was on board with changes that needed to be made here's one ryan big jim asks, how did ryan negotiate the giant microphone as part of his signing deal i didn't have to negotiate it my man i had it already <laughs> that's a camera angle thing guys ryan has the same exact like type of microphone that i do it's just ryan's on a i believe a laptop so it's just it's yes. just more of a camera angle thing but i just i thought that was hilarious so like okay ryan we've got the money right we've got the work <laughs> schedule right but this dang microphone is keeping us from signing this deal. Uh, final, give me your giant microphone. There. You happy now? So <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that would have been a fun conversation. That would have been a fun conversation. All right. And I, and I think I'm just going through some of the questions here. And I think that is going to be it for our questions. Let me just get down here towards the bottom. Uh, hey, I, I, here's David Knight said this. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. David Knight says, I liked Mike Mayock. I loved Mike Mayock. Ryan, what, yes. what did you think of? Yeah. Oh, as a, as, a, as a draft guy, I loved Mike Mayock. No, he I mean, was, as um, doing Notre Dame guys, as doing Notre, oh. like doing Notre Dame games, when he was doing Notre Dame games for that short period of time. No, I, I, always, I always liked Mike Mayock. I, I thought he was very authentic and very easy listening. Like some guys just try too hard, right? Like I just thought it kind of flowed very easily for a guy like Mayak. Like he was a, he was a football guy, right? Like he just talked about ball and it wasn't like over the top where he was just like agenda pushing and just talking too much when he doesn't have to talk. Like it just, kind of, I think I thought it flowed really well with a guy like Mayak. Here's a couple. I Yeah. I loved Mayak. I, I had a feeling yeah. you were going to say that, but I just wanted to be oh, sorry. Uh, Michael says, this is more of a comment. Ryan, your energy and enthusiasm is very entertaining when you break down recruits as well as when your inner Kuiper comes out. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. 
uh, Colonel Clink's Monocle, one of my favorite names, and had a chance to meet Colonel Clink's Monocle uh, in the airport after the Fiesta Bowl. So uh, it was nice. great meeting you. Who is the one recruit? This is Ryan. I'm going to kick this to you first. Who is the one recruit? I'm going to read this slowly so you can think about it. Uh-huh. Who is the one recruit Notre Dame isn't really in on that you would love for Notre Dame to sign? So I'm going to say in on, or at least right now, they're like sort of the bottom. They're not really like mm-hmm. a favorite for him right now. Uh, I guess Nicholas Harbor would probably be a guy that comes to mind out of Maryland. So he he's a kid that again, six five, two twenty five. Notre Dame was recruiting him as rover. I think there's you know they're still going to keep in touch, obviously. But he's a five star caliber kid. Depending on the school, wide receiver, tight end, defensive end, linebacker, he kind of can just play wherever he feels like. <laughs> to be honest, because yeah. he's six five, two twenty five, and for the track and field people out there, he ran a ten three one verified hundred meter dash. Just ran sub twenty one in the 200 the kid is a freak to say the least like there was a video that was like is he the next Jadavion Clowney or is he the next Calvin Johnson or is the right. next Vernon Davis like who knows man well, like pick he's a just, track star I mean he could yes. be that too pick an and Olympian for, yeah like in a in a pre in a in a ideal world I want to put him on the defensive side of the football with Marcus Freeman in this staff and just see what happens like I don't care what position you peg him at so he would be the guy just because I think that Again, possibilities will be endless. And if he's the if he's a guy that you're like, actually, no, he could be the next great tight end after Michael sure. Mayer. That's fine. Throw him out there. Um, like I'm good with it. So mine would be mine would be AJ Harris, the corner from Alabama. That'd be mine. I, I think AJ is such a Notre Dame kid. He's just been convinced by other schools that he's not a Notre Dame kid. That you know, ah, you don't want to go to class and do all. You know, it's too hard up there. Um, but he, in a lot of ways, is a Notre Dame fit, and he is a stud. He's the best corner in the country, in my opinion. In my opinion. I think he's the best corner in the country. So that would be um that would be one one I would love. Uh Ashley Hill, off topic, Brian. This 53-year-old man is finishing his MDiv in April. I got, I know you studied, go Irish. Yeah, so I, I didn't get I wasn't pursuing an MDiv. I was pursuing a a, a a master's in Christian studies. So I was gonna get into campus ministry, stuff like that. I wasn't I wasn't gonna be a preacher because uh I don't have the temperament to be a pastor. <laughs> I don't have the, I don't have the, the Holy Spirit hasn't quite changed me to that point where I could, I could do that. But yeah, the, but yeah, congratulations. I, I know it's a, it's, it's very spiritually and physically and emotionally and mentally taxing to go through that process. So uh, certainly be praying for you. And I appreciate you sharing that, sharing that with us. Jimmy M says, mailbag question, thoughts on moving Patelho to H back. Some nastiness as Tommy T in the blocking game. I'm almost saying that right now. He doesn't have nearly enough discipline for me to put him on offense. I could just see him like running right past the dude. He's going to supposed to block as that guy comes in and blows up the quarterback running back exchange. I mean, you know, I it just, that's going to be the big thing for him is just a lack of discipline in, in everything he does until that changes. He's always going to be a, a, a guy we're talking about. Well, what about here? What about here? As we try to find him a home when in reality, he can play wherever he wants if he gets his head on screwed on straight. And mm-hmm. That's that's going to be the thing here. John A1 with a super chat. Thank you, John. You talk about skill, diversity, receiver. How does that look at other positions that like the strong side end? Are they looking for guys just like Riley Mills? You want to you want to take a shot at that one first? Yeah, no, I think that goes back to if you heard earlier in our show, we were talking about maybe the ability to have guys like Jason Moore and Brendan Vernon play strong side defensive end, but it'd be interchangeable type of players. I don't think that there's one player. I don't think there's one style that necessarily fits. I mean, 
ideally, right? Like you want length and you want size and Riley Mills kind of fits those. I think he's like six, five, six, five plus 285 pounds, somewhere in that ballpark. So like, he certainly looks like a strong side defensive end, but then there's guys like Myron Tagovailoa Mosa, who was six, two, two sixty, that did a good job at strong side defensive end. So I think there is some interchangeableness to the ability to play a strong side defensive end. It's just more about temperament and ability to just, you know, kind of just, do some of the dirty work at strong side defensive end and play from a little bit of multiple alignments at times. But I think in an ideal world, you are going to recruit guys that do look similarly to Riley Mills because you want that length, you want that 6'5", you want those long arms, and you want some decent weight behind them, but not not too much weight where you sacrifice the ability to be flexible and to be an outside track rusher at times. So you don't want to sacrifice the athleticism, mm -hmm. but having that body type certainly is a big plus at the position. Right. And, and I think that there are certain traits that you look for, like ability to play and execute certain things. I think the difference between saying receiver and strong side end is in one instance, you're talking about one position and the other, you're talking about three. And that's where we talk. Well, so when we talk about diversity from a receiver standpoint, we're not talking, we're, we're talking about like, guys that play multiple positions. We're talking about a guy that can play W, a different skill set to play X, and a different skill set to play Z. That's like saying I want a certain skill set to play strong side end, a certain skill set to play Viper, and a certain skill set to play three technique. It would be more of that comparison as opposed to three different type of strong side ends. And so it's it's not quite the same kind of comparison, but I think in regards to that position, it's like looking at like a W. There are certain things that a W has to do. He has to be able to do this, 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 and this as a receiver. A strong side end has to do this, this, this as, as, a, as a defensive end. Now, the different types of body types or, or physical skill sets that can perform those traits is going to vary. And that's where that diversity comes from. Adi Takumba Ogandiji and Riley Mills are different in a lot of different ways. But they both, I think, have the potential to play that position at a high level. And I think so. I think I think you look at Riley Mills and Myron Tungvaloa very different size, strength, athletic skills, all those type of things. And so both for the same position. So yes, I do think there's some diversity. But to Ryan's point, if you were to if you were to draw up a guy in a lab, he would look a lot like Riley Mills. And then you'd maybe want to add a little bit more some athletic traits in a couple areas there, right? I think that's kind of the thing that you would look for. And that, but the like you said, length, power, quickness are the first three things that pop in my head. Here's a comment from Timeout Tom. I really like the enthusiasm shown by Coach Mason, and the recruits just must respond to him. I can see him as an outstanding recruiter. I agree. I loved his energy. He's the anti Brian Polian, which is about the nicest thing I could say about him. Like, yep, that's the greatest and compliment I could put pay. And as a special teams coach, right? Like you got to have that that little bit of energy to you, right, man? Because you're it trying to real, Ryan. That's the thing. It's like and... it's got to be real. Like you could just yeah. tell he's a super. He's like that kind of kid where, like, when he grabs a cup of coffee, you're like, dude, you may not want to do that, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you just kind of wake up like, what a beautiful day. I'm just ready. Open up the curtains. I'm ready to go. Like that's like seems like how Brian Mason is, right? And it's genuine. It. And I and I, I'm with you. I absolutely love it. Like I just feel like that's how a special teams coach should be. And I think he's going to be much better received by the special teamers than the previous special teams coach. And I think you all know I wasn't a huge fan of him. Stymie Snurdly says Gus and Brady Quinn on Fox would be sweet. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Jake Piper agrees Gus and Brady sound should, would be so nice. So, yes, I 
that would that would be fun to have Gus Johnson doing the play by play and Brady Quinn doing the color. Not that I have anything against Joel Klatt. I think I like Joel Klatt a lot more doing games than I like him giving opinions on shows and on Twitter. That's fair. Like that's fair. <laughs> <set up. laughs> so Keegan McLaughlin, Mayock, and Breeze were good. Just wish we could get a Notre Dame guy to do our games, but understand they use it as a training ground for Sunday football. That's one of my biggest beasts with NBC. It's like they treat Notre Dame as like their minor leagues. This mm-hmm. is where we send guys to practice to get ready to do our Monday night football or Sunday. Do they Sunday night football? Is that what NBC does now? Sunday night football. Yeah. Correct. I hate, mm-hmm. I, I do feel like, I do feel that like, ah, let's have him practice at Notre Dame so he can come up and do this. And, and that just, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Just bothers me. Here's another question from Corey D. Is there a top ranked guy who wants to go to Notre Dame, but Notre Dame isn't recruiting as hard uh, as they should uh, that I don't I don't really uh, that wants to come to Notre Dame I don't like top ranked uh, I don't not that I could think of I mean, I mean the only thing you could say would have been maybe some of the quarterbacks you know like right, maybe Jackson right. Arnold okay Chris Vizina so, maybe right but I but but the, but the thing is as they should I don't think they should be recruiting them harder like that's right. that's the thing is I can't name a top hundred guy that I'm like, man, what Notre Dame's dropping a ball here. I think that kid, you could get him if you went after him. I don't know mm-hmm. if I have a guy in mind for that, Ryan. I don't think so either. No, I'm, try- I'm trying to like scan my mind. Like, mm, no, I don't have a good one for that one either. Last two here real quick, and we'll do one here from Logan Lawrence and both of you guys' opinions. What are your realistic expectations for Tyler Buckner? I'm trying to my best to stay on board. Just seen too many head scratcher passes last season to be all in on Tyler Buckner. I'll let you go ahead and touch that one first, Ryan. Because, I mean, yeah. I think Notre Dame is going to be a lot better than maybe the, the majority of people believe next year to start with. And I think that's going to be a lot about what Tyler Buckner brings to the game, not only as a – because I, I think Tyler Buckner is going to be a lot better passer than people think mm-hmm. that he is. I, I'm going to – I mean, if we're talking about, like, what our prediction for stats are, I'm going to say high 2000s passing. I'm going to say somewhere 20 to 22. Six touchdown passes somewhere in that ballpark, but I think the big thing that Tyler Buckner gives to you is the extension in the run game. Man, is an added bonus. Like it, it's it's it is going to be such a big thing to have the ability to pull off of off of zone and and power and you know have the read off of it both as a passer and a runner. So outside of the passing numbers, I think that you can pencil in another six hundred plus yards rushing potentially and. Double-digit touchdowns, maybe eight to ten touchdowns. So I think we're talking about mm-hmm. thirty plus total touchdowns, well over three thousand all-purpose yards. And I think that Notre Dame's going to be a good team. And I think that Tyler Buckner's going to be a big reason why. I don't understand. Like I don't know what the expectations were for Tyler Buckner. Like, did you think he was going to come in and complete like ninety percent of his passes? And look, like, yeah. look, Trevor Lawrence is the unicorn, mm-hmm. right? Like Tyler Buckner completed passes at a higher level threw for almost three times as many, uh, well over two times as many yards, three times as many touchdowns as Bryce Young did as a freshman, right? And he played in much higher leverage situations. Tyler Buckner threw some passes. You're like, that wasn't a good pass. Yeah, okay. He didn't play, he hadn't played football in two years. He also threw some gorgeous passes that I think get ignored Mm -hmm. from, from this group. And the other thing too is he was put in to play a certain role. And yeah. at times he was put in a role that they hadn't prepared him for. The Virginia Tech game, for example, he did not practice that week to run that offense every single snap. 
he got thrust mm-hmm. into that because the offense wasn't moving with Jack Cohn early in the game. And yeah. if you look at what Tyler Buckner did the first quarter he was in the game, he went five of eight for 101 yards and two, and led them to two touchdowns as he turned a 10 nothing deficit into a 14-10 lead. That's what Tyler Buckner's capable of. But it feels like the, the that a lot of people have completely forgot that first quarter and then look at the second half when Virginia Tech was able to make adjustments for a true freshman quarterback who had never been put in that situation before, and they look at the bad throws he made. Sure. Right? And it's just kind of like I, I I don't I, I think your expectations may be the problem, not what Tyler Buckner showed. Because I think what Tyler Buckner showed last year was some really impressive skills that a kid who hadn't played football in two years is going to be able to build on. Now, is he going to get to the point where he can turn all that into t- production? I don't know. We'll see. Right? Because he's still, I mean, we think he can be really good. My expectations yeah. for Tyler Buckner this year are that he can be the starting quarterback for a top five caliber team. That's my expectations for Tyler Buckner. At times, he's going to do it more with his legs. I think he's going to be the opposite of Trevor Lawrence. And what I mean by that is Trevor Lawrence early in his career was a thrower that built running into his game as he got older. Would you agree with that evaluation of Trevor Lawrence? Absolutely. Yep. Like more mm-hmm. of a pocket guy early. Became, I think Tyler's going to be the opposite. They're going to mm-hmm. utilize his legs early as he get him comfortable in the offense. As he gets older and older and becomes more comfortable with running the, the passing parts of the offense, you're going to see him be used less as a pure runner and more as a quarterback, a passer scrambler. But it's going to take time. And my expectations are that Tyler Buckner is going to be a playmaker next year for Notre Dame, a dynamic playmaker next year, a guy that can beat you with his legs and his arms. He's also going to be a guy that's going to make some interceptions. You're like, oh, why did you throw that ball? It's going to happen, right. folks. And if you're ready to bench him at that point in time, I would I would say th- the problem isn't Tyler Buckner. It's your expectations of Tyler Buckner because he's going to make some mistakes next year. He's also going to make some phenomenal throws. You you need him to though because right. again he he missed he had the injury right and then he missed his senior year he needs to make some mistakes he needs to yeah. understand what his limitations are well, not right. limitations I don't want to call it like that but he needs to understand what throws he can make what throws he should not try and that'll mm-hmm. kind of dictate the comfortability of him as a passer so yes I agree. I'll say this Ryan to your point if he only throws yeah. four or five interceptions next year it's it means they're it, it means that it's a problem because yeah. it means he's not being aggressive it means he's he's they're not being assertive with him as an offense I've said this before I hated in books 34 to 6 touchdown interception ratio in 2019 because I would have liked to see him take more chances because I think it could have been a, a 40-10 situation as mm-hmm. opposed to 34-6 because he's on I mean like I think like 19 of his touchdowns came in like four games you know and and to me when you're young I want like you you don't know what you can't it's like you I don't know if you can make that pass or not because you've never tried it hey you've tried that and you can hit that pass and you know what here's why you threw that pick you threw it late right. You didn't lead him. You threw it early, whatever the case may be. Look, because if you if you take away the, the interceptions sometimes, especially early, then you're going to you're going to sort of neuter him, right? And it's kind of like I remember all the flack that Sean Watson took in 2016. Oh, turns the ball. Part of the reason he turned the ball over because he was just a I'm going to take chances. Those chances also less to led to over 50 touchdowns and a national championship. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think we need to understand that Tyler isn't a developing quarterback. He's not going to look like a senior next year, but I don't care. It's part of the evolution process and he can absolutely be the, the playmaker on a, on a, on an excellent team. And that's the nice thing about Notre Dame's offense is he doesn't have to put everybody on his shoulders in 2022. 
it's like, look, man, you got Tyree, you got Diggs, you got Estime, you got Lindsey, you got Coles, you got Styles, you got, you know, you got Wilkins, you got Davis. Oh, and by the way, you got this dude named Mayer that you can throw to, and you got a pretty good old line. Like, just let's run the offense. And when when the time comes that we need you to step up and make a play, let's go make a play. But I, I'm I'm much higher on Tyler Buckner, and, and I I thought Tyler Buckner did a great job this year. I think he did. He was better than what I thought he was going to be. I think the problem is so many people expected him to just win the job and be the Tyler Buckner. I mean, uh, Trevor Lawrence is a freshman that then it's like, there was no way he's ever going to live up to those expectations. And we tried to warn y'all in the spring because he was great in the spring. We tried to warn y'all he's playing against third teamers. Right. But some people didn't want to listen. They're like, Oh, look how good he was. And he was playing against third teamers. Right. Mm -hmm. It's let, let him evolve. He's going to make mistakes, but stick in there because the kid can flat out play. He just needs more experience. But I think if you think Tyler Buckner didn't play well this year, then I would say the issue was more about your expectations for Tyler Buckner than I would say anything in regards to what Tyler Buckner did this year, in my opinion. And uh, here we go. Uh, here's a recruiting one I want to get to. Oh, here, let me let me do the recruiting one last. Mm-hmm. John Ridge says, if you could pick one play-by-play and one color guy historically to call a Notre Dame game, who would that be? Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Um, I'd still go with Gus as my play-by-play guy. I just, I love yeah. the energy. He's one of my favorite all-time guys. He just, he is. Yeah. You heard, you heard my reaction to Gus earlier. I love yeah. Gus, man. I've always loved Gus. Um, I think Brent yeah. Musburger from the eighties was pretty good at calling games. He was. I, I yeah. yeah. I like eighties, early nineties. I thought he was pretty good. I did not like Keith Jackson. He was very anti Notre Dame. I love the voice, but he was very anti Notre Dame in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Color guy. I mean, like I said, I, I like Mike Mayock. I, Mayock's cool. I love the technical aspects of it, but I, I liked breeze too. Like yeah. I, I, I could dig with breeze. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I like, like, I feel like people feel about Mayock, like how I feel about Tony Romo. Like, I think Tony Romo, I've listened to some games he does, and he's really wicked smart, but sometimes he's kind of, it's like, dude, just shut up and just let me watch the play. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Just, some guys are a little too high energy. Like, that's why I, yeah. I said I liked Mayock, because it's like he just lets it come to him, you know? Like, he doesn't right. try to force it too much. Right. Exactly. Someone said John Madden. Of course, John Madden's a classic, sure. right? Like, sure, can't go wrong there. He's not but... doing Notre Dame games. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's not doing Notre Dame games. Yeah, yeah that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Gus Johnson and, and uh, John Madden doing a game together. Could you imagine that? Yeah. That would be, that'd be a ton of fun. Uh, Irish one got in late. Jim Harbaugh gets an extension to Michigan. Maybe he did not want to go to the NFL, just more money. Thoughts on that, Ryan? <laughs> Jim Harbaugh wanted to go to the NFL, folks. Yes. I, yeah. I mean, to start off with, and I, I know that they're going to paint the picture, right, that it was just to get more money and he was always in here right. for the long term. But I think that there's – it's just not completely factual in my opinion. If so we'll just leave it buyout that. money they gave him <laughs> – yeah, <laughs> that's not the buyout you give someone that's in it for the long haul, right? It right. makes it a lot easier for them to get rid of him after the first year. <laughs> I'm just saying, and it makes it a lot easier for him to leave after the first year. So I'm, I'm very yeah. curious to see what happens with Coach Harbaugh in the future too, because I mean, I really think if this if there was a year for him to leave for the NFL, this was the this one. Was so yeah. curious to it. see what happens with this. Look, he was telling people goodbye before yeah. he. He completely misplayed that Viking situation. Like, Ryan, you know this for a fact. I know this from several mm-hmm. sources. He was telling people, I'm gone. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, so it was either the biggest like psyop in the history of college football negotiation, you know, coaching crack contract negotiations, or he overplayed his hand. And and you know, in my opinion, I think he overplayed his hand. And I want to see the details of that contract extension before I start thinking about it being about, you know, oh, it was just all this master manipulating ploy by Jim Harbaugh. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is that that savvy in my opinion. If John would have done something like that, I'd have said, yeah, okay, he played them. Right. He played them. I, I, Jim Jim isn't – no, he's not that guy. Here's the last one, Ryan, when a recruiting question. Michael says, uh, yes. Brian and Ryan, where do things currently stand with Rodney Gallagher being from Pennsylvania? I'm very fortunate to see his, this talented ball player, and he a football and basketball guy. I would love to see Notre Dame get this kid. Well, uh, Gallagher, for one, from a talent perspective, I, I mean, the minute I watched him as an option quarterback out there in Pennsylvania, I was in on him. <laughs> I texted Brian, I'm just like, this kid's like, this mm-hmm. is the slot that you want, man. It's going to break tackles and navigate space and just do a lot of great things after the catch. So I, I really like Rodney Gallagher as a football player. Uh, my, my most up-to-date is that the last time I talked to Rodney, He's interested in Notre Dame. Notre Dame is interested in him. He has not been on campus yet, so I think that's going to be a big layer to the recruiting right there. Um, I would obviously not call Notre Dame the leader in the ball ball uh, in the ball house in, in the clubhouse right now, but I will say that uh, Notre Dame is is firmly in the conversation to say the least, and I look forward to seeing how the uh, the conversation moves forward after he gets on campus because that, that's going to be yeah. a big thing for this recruitment. So some interesting backstory. Mm-hmm. He is a guy that several former coaches at Notre Dame just didn't like. It's bizarre. And that's why they didn't recruit him. Is I mean, Kelly and Dell just weren't high on him. I think we all know why, right? I mean, they they want this. Tommy Reese, I, I think, loves him. Uh, Chancey Stuckey loves him. So I think the current staff is all in on this kid. Like all in on this kid. The problem is, and, and the good news is, they know that they have a lot of work to do, right? And that's the thing. It's like, it's one thing to just assume, hey, he's from Pennsylvania. We're, we do well in Pennsylvania. They know they got a lot of ground to make up. And trust me, they're working hard to get it. I think if we're talking, there's, if, if there's a dream class for Notre Dame, what Notre Dame would want right now, in my opinion, I think it would be it would be Braylon James at W, it'd be Carnell Tate at X, and it'd be Rodney Gallagher at Z. I think that's that's who Notre Dame would like to have as their, their, you know, their, their dream receiver class. And the good news is it's possible. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a, it, again, a lot of work to do with Carnell, a lot of work to do with Rodney Galler, got to close with Braylon, but it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. And, and I think that that will be, that it's going to be, that's going to be this uh, look. What I like about some of these new hires, Ryan, is some of these mm-hmm. new hires are going to be tested by fire immediately. Chancey yeah. Stuckey is one. Uh, Harry Heastand is one. I think those two guys are going to, I mean, more than maybe any other position, immediately going to be. The reason I say that about like Al Golden and Al Washington is like mm-hmm. Al Washington walked in and he was like, hey, by the way, here's your contract in Notre Dame. And oh, by the way, here's here's Keon Keelan. Here's Brendan Vernon. <laughs> you, you know here's what a, I mean? Here's a, here's a five star yeah. in the top 50. Yeah. <laughs> Al Golden signs like, oh, by the way, here's your five top 100 players, you know, and your other two dudes who are really flipping good. Uh, yeah. Whereas Harry's walking in the door with nada. Chancey Stuckey's walking in the door with nada. And I would argue that Chancey Stuckey's situation is different because with Jeff Quinn, you've interviewed several kids who are like, hey, I really liked Coach Quinn. Yeah. You know, and so Harry, he stands building on that. So, like, let's be honest about, you know, Jeff Quinn. Jeff Quinn's problem was never working. 
He was never, I never doubted his work ethic, his sincerity, his love for Notre Dame. I never questioned it. I questioned his ability. Sure. That was the only thing I ever questioned with Jeff Quinn. With Dell, it's a different story. Mm-hmm. I question all of it. And his work ethic is the biggest thing I questioned. You know, the fact that you don't look at a kid like Rodney Gallagher and be like, that's a dude that I want. Man, you don't deserve to be coaching at Notre Dame at this point. It's a red flag. Big time red flag. So I think Chancey Stuckey's walking into a situation where he's even got more ground to make up. Where Coach Eastan walks into a situation where Coach Quinn left him with a board of players that like, hey, you did a good job of getting us in the game. Now, the problem that Jeff Quinn had for years was he couldn't close on those guys that Mm -hmm. weren't from Indiana. Right. He had a harder time closing on those kids. They loved them, but they just weren't choosing to play for him, like the Jake Taylors and the, you know, the guys like that. Now he stand has a better track record of closing on those guys, but he left them in the game with a lot of those kids and and credit to him for that. And, but yeah. with, with receiver, it's kind of like, no, you left them in a bad spot and that's yeah. got to be overcome. Yeah, and, and I, I would say just, I mean, every offensive lineman that I talked to, right, that was on the board already before even Coach Hastan came aboard, they all said, they all uttered those sentiments, right? They're like, right. yeah, we love Jeff Qu- I love right. Jeff Quinn. Like, right. unprompted, too. Like, oh, we right. had a great relationship with Coach Quinn. I got to right. talk to Coach Hastan. Samson Okolola was one that was like, I just haven't talked to Coach Hastan yet. I love Jeff right. Quinn, though. And, and ever that all of them right. reiterated that. Well, why receivers? You didn't hear that, man. No. Like you just heard, like I like Notre Dame, or I. You know, and if they I, mention I a, a coach, they Notre mention Dame. Tommy Reese. Right. When exactly. they do mention a coach, they always yeah. mention Tommy Reese. It was never Dell Alexander. There was one telling. kid in the twenty twenty three class was like, man, I was really bummed to hear that Coach Alexander left. They're like, wait a minute, what? It was a lot like when Brian Van Gorder left. I remember when we would we would interview recruits and like, yeah, I didn't really. I, I remember I think it was Bo Bauer who was a mm-hmm. linebacker. It's like, yeah, I never really talked to him much. <laughs> this kid has been committed wow. to Notre Dame for like a year. That's you crazy. know, it's just it's and that's just that's that's the deal. So, yeah. Now, Harry Heastan has since talked to all those kids. He went out and visited Sampson and he went and visited Monroe. But Ryan's talking about when he first got hired. Obviously, there yes. was the, the time between. But yeah. th- that that's I mean, look, that's a if Harry Heastan signs an elite class, Harry Heastan's going to get a ton of the credit for it. But I do think a, a, a sliver of the credit does need to go to Jeff Quinn as well. I, I for do. Sure. I'm, I'm I'm if if. Chancey Stuckey signs a great receiver class. I give the previous receivers coach zero credit for making that happen. It'll yeah. be Chancey and Tommy. That's that. It's going to be because of those two, and and Coach Freeman obviously is the head coach. But and that's the difference between the the two scenarios that they're both walking into. Even though they're neither of them have a single commit, they're yeah. walking into completely different situations. In my opinion, if we're going to be fair to, to Jeff Quinn and the work he did, and I think we need to be right. Like yeah. we're, I think we're both completely on board with him needing to go, especially me. Like it was time for him to go. Yeah. But I've never questioned his, his work ethic ever, ever. Yeah. And I I know when obviously the hire of coach Stuckey came to be, right. Like everybody's talking about, like he doesn't have a resume as far as recruiting because he had only coached one year, which is understood. Right. But if he, if he goes out there and he does land a class that is somewhere in the ballpark of a Cornell Tate and a Braylon James and a Rodney Gallagher, then those answers. Yeah. If you get two of those three, then you're like, okay, I got you, buddy. You can do it. (laughs) We're good. We're good to go. Yep. Sold. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's a great way way to end. Ryan, thank you for uh, being with me today. Michael, that was a great question, buddy. I appreciate that uh, very, very much. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today and sticking with us through this show. A lot of fun. We'll be back tomorrow for our Friday free-for-all mailbag. Before you leave, do not even think about leaving yet. Hit the like button, subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. 
built bars. You got to get some built bars, people. If you haven't done it, you got to get the built bars. They just came out with the banana cream puffs are back. I love those things. They're, they're more like Ryan. They've got, like, have you ever had any of the puffs? I think we talked about this the other day. You've never had the puffs, right? They have like that. It's like a more marshmallowy flavor on the inside. Mm-hmm. I don't normally like those, but their banana cream ones are really good. I actually just ordered some and then they have a, they, they've got strawberry now. So I ordered some strawberry and the banana cream puff. And when they bring cookie dough back, which is like, it's, it's comes and goes. I'll buy like five boxes of the cookie dough. Like they're phenomenal, but <laughs> cherry barcia. I love the coconut almond. I, I'm a big fan of, so a lot of great flavors. And peanut butter brownie, peanut butter brownie. I haven't tried that one yet. I, so I need to get that one. Cause my wife loves peanut butter. She so loves good. peanut butter. So I'm going to I'm gonna have to get that one for her and uh, have her try that. And of course, if you sign up for the message boards at boards at irishbreakdown.com, you sign up for a month, which is $4.99 a month, which is much cheaper than the other sites. Uh, some are offering a dollar, but that goes up after your trial period ends, right? We're $4.99 per month. It's not going to change anytime soon. You also get 10% off your entire merch store merchandise. You can get hoodies like this. You can get like our, that. My aunt, uh, Ryan's wife got, I got her one of the blankets, right, Ryan? She, you said she really likes it, right? Got mugs, yep, all types does. of fun stuff in the merch store. His, his daughter's got a, some, some gap onesie, closing, right? Yep. Onesie. Yep. <laughs> uh, wife's got a hoodie. So, and you can see, obviously Ryan's got the flag. So tons of cool merchandise. You sign up for an annual membership of $49.99 a year you also get 20% off your entire purchase. So you definitely want to take advantage of that. So anyway, for Ryan Roberts, I'm Brian Driscoll. Vince was obviously with us earlier. Thank you all so very, very much for joining us for the Irish Breakdown Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.